Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let me bang you, I do let you bang Let me bang you, Let me bang you, Let you Greetings, marriage and virgins. Go for Jesus! No forget Jesus, people! Gentlemen, it is time once again for your favorite mixed martial arts podcast. Recording out of Los Angeles, California, it's MMA Roasted with Adam Hunter. Who the fuck is that guy? What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new MMA Roasted podcast. It's me, Adam Hunter, coming to you from Arizona. I'm in Scottsdale right now. Uh, Shang was supposed to be here at noon, but he just told me that uh, he has uh, some kind of other thing going on. So he'll jump on a little bit. But uh, so fuck it. We're, we're flying solo because Wean Dog got a new job um, and it's just me for a little bit. But then we're also going to be joined. We got a lot of really good fighters coming on. We got uh, we got Jin Yu Fry, who's freaking killing it, won her last fight. And then uh, in the UFC, as well as Adrian Yanez, who is looking like the next big thing as well as comedian Eddie Ift. So we got a uh, great lineup. Shang should join us pretty soon. It's going to be a great show. Uh, thank you for tuning in. So here I am. So I haven't done a solo show in a while, so if this sucks, I apologize. Uh, if it's great, then tell me it's great. If not, just say nothing. Do what you want. You know, it's a, it's a free world. Uh, but here we are. Uh, so a free country, I guess. It really isn't a free country. It's fucking, it's a fortune right now especially when you're not working in a pandemic or you're trying to work or I am working, but other people aren't working. So it really isn't as free. I don't even know why they even say it's a free country. It's really not really free. It's like everything costs money except for even love costs money. Everything costs money. But uh, here we are. So I can be petty uh, sometimes, you know, especially when I feel like, like if I do something for you and then I ask for something in return, which is not the, I know there isn't the right reason to ask to do something, but if let's say I do and then you, so I'll just tell you what happened. So this girl I booked at the Dime Bar a while back, she was kind of a newer comic. I booked her and she, she did fine. She was, you know, she was just fine. And then she had a show and I was like, hey, can I jump on your show? And then she said, hey, listen, I think you're a power comic, but right now I only get to book a blah, 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 a couple people and yada, yada, yada. So, oh, but Shang just hit me up. He said um, uh, he's not gonna be able to do the show at all today so it's just me anyway where was i the girl said hey i, I think you're a power comic uh and you're hilarious but i can't book you right now and gave me the reason why you know okay fine you don't have to book me for your show i get booked enough i, I didn't really i mean whatever it happens so but then she hits me up for another spot on my show and i just copy and pasted her exact thing and i said hey i think you're a power comic you know, but I didn't even change a fucking word. Uh, and I felt good about this. I mean, yeah, it was, 
I thought it was kind of funny. But then I saw her little bubbles come up of like, she was thinking about saying something and said nothing. So there you go. Uh, that's the best. That's the best when you, res when you respond to somebody's text or tweet and then you see the bubbles, like you're thinking about it and they delete it because you feel like, ah, I got it. Anyway, so that happened. Uh, and then I, I did a show with her recently, the same girl, and I'm sure she forgot about the whole thing. It was like years ago. But she talked about how she used to be hot, how she's, she's, she's hot. She's a pretty girl now, but she's like, man, I used to be hot back in the 90s. I got double teamed by two punk rockers and they, they jizzed all over my face. And, and like, like that was hot. And I'm like, there's a lot of other things she could have said that made, but it, I, I guess it does show you the difference between men and women, or maybe it's, uh, it's not fair, but if a guy was like, yeah, I used to be a stud. I used to have threesomes with, with hot chicks or, you know, I banged all the Spice Girls back. You'd be like, wow, that's pretty cool. But a, but a dude who's a girl who's like, yeah, I got double teamed by two punk rockers. Just like, I was like grossed out by the whole thing. I'm like, man, you could have said you worked at Hooters or I won a wet t-shirt contest or I won a beauty pageant or, or something. But getting blasted by two punk rockers isn't exactly, I don't think that's what guys are. I think someone told her that men think something, a certain thing is hot and it's not. Can't really explain myself as well, but I didn't think that was hot at all getting blasted by two punk rockers. It wasn't even, she didn't say like it was the Chili Peppers or it was the Misfits or something. It was just two punk rockers. I've been, I just think of these two like tall, skinny, pale guys with bad mohawks just blasting on her face. And she became less hot but then before she said that. Like you didn't, you're already hot. You're already attractive. You don't have to talk about getting blasted by two punk rockers. It just doesn't, anyway. Uh, anyway, I did Godfrey's live last night. Godfrey is one of my favorite comics. I think he's a hilarious comic. Godfrey the comedian. Um, I don't know for we were on True Life. I'm a comic in 1989 together. Back when he was at the Montreal Comedy Festival, getting deals with HBO, and I was doing comedy in laundromats, and I was like the new guy, the new upstart. He was the guy who already made it. We did his live till like four in the morning. So I'm a little tired. I have a headache. But it was fun. And there were a lot of things we talked about that I'm like, man, I should talk about this in my podcast. I think people would get a kick out of it. So uh, has a celebrity in a crowd ever got mad at me? Yes. I did a show and uh, I think it was, it was like a, it was like, like a back, it was, I forgot what it was called. It was, uh, it was a, a certain, like a black theme comedy show at the comedy store and Vivica Fox was in the crowd. And uh, it was back when she was dating 50 Cent. So I was like, oh, give it up for Mrs. Cent. And she did not want to be called Mrs. Cent. Like everyone was laughing but her. She got really, really mad and, uh, and was pissed. So, you know, that's, that's, that was the time that she got really mad. I did a show last night in Arizona and David Michaud came out, by the way, who is fighting Rory McDonald in the PFL. Really excited for that fight. Um, hope David wins. It's hard because he has to go all the way. He, he's, a, he's got a fear of flying. And he has to go all the way to New Jersey from Arizona by car and then fight Rory McDonald, who is arguably one of the best fighters in the world. I mean, one of the top three fighters in the world. The guy's a monster. And if you see him, he's fucking jacked now. I hope David Michelle wins. Um, I really do. First of all, everyone's going to be watching that fight. The PFL signed... A couple guys like Anthony Pettis, Rory McDonald, they signed Verdum. I think those guys are all going to attract eyeballs on their fights. 
a lot more than guys that in the PFL now who are great fighters like Emiliano Sordai or something or some of these names that uh, that I know but aren't you know aren't getting uh, the views. But I'm excited for that fight. I am, uh, and I hope David wins. I really hope David wins. Uh, ben Henderson came to my show last night with his beautiful wife, and that was awesome. Ben Henderson is. Man, you talk about a guy who is a great role model, great person, great fighter, just humble, always brings it, Ben Henderson. Uh, so I was super happy that he was there. And I made fun of uh, everybody because, you know, they were there. So I said, David was the first Native American in the UFC. I wanted to get a ticket to his fight, but I couldn't get a reservation. David laughed. David's a great sport. He's with uh, his girlfriend, Emmy her many horses, that's her name. Um, and also Courtney Casey was there with her car close. Courtney got totally fucked in her last fight. I, I don't care what anybody says. It was against JJ Aldridge. Courtney won that fight. I like JJ, but let's like out of all the MMA like people that watch it, all the MMA outlets, 29 out of 30 people gave her that fight. 29 out of 30. And two out of three judges gave it to Aldridge. Something's wrong there. That's ridiculous. Uh, I don't see how Courtney Casey lost that fight. She was with Dracar, and that's crazy as a couple, because you know they have crazy sex. When, when two fighters like that, and she's like an angry, hot chick, um, competitive as hell. Like, you know, like when he nuts in her eye, that he has to go to a neutral corner. She probably calls out all his friends that are rank higher than him. You know, they're doing a doggy style, but he has to stop, but she has two hands on the ground. And I said all this, uh, and they're awesome as well as uh, who else was there. Um, and we talked about, I asked her if she ever talks to Felice because they had that infamous fight, her and Felice, they gave each other the finger during the fight. And um, Felice actually uh, now has a Wikipedia page, but just for her feet. It's called Wikipedia. I didn't know this was a thing, but Courtney told me about this and her feet are actually ranked higher than Felice's feet. Yeah, that's the true thing. Um, which, uh, which is crazy. What are people doing? Like, how much free time do you have to not only go on the Wikipedia page, but to vote on it? And to like, there's like a million rankings, like people rank feet. I, I don't know. I, I've never had a foot fetish. I don't really like feet. I don't dislike feet. I don't have an opinion on them. I think they're great for walking or running. It's just not my thing. Like, I don't understand. Uh, but I know people that are all about feet. I know people that are like, I know a lot of comedians that are just like, they're, they like, a, 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 like feet are like up there with like personality or face, which is, I mean, look, I guess maybe you're born with it or somewhere along the line in your childhood, you, something happened where feet became the, but I don't get it. I'm sorry. I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. And I don't get that like, but hey, I don't guess you're not hurting anybody if you have a fetish. It's probably worse fetishes to have like, like eating people or whatever Army Hammer allegedly did. But anyway, uh, Tyson versus Holyfield, I guess, is off now. It was on, on, it was off, then on, then off. I guess Evander is a positive for polio. Uh, I want to see this fight. I want Tyson to win. Even though, you know, Evander's also seems like a great guy. And, you know, I, I, you know he's 0-2 against Holyfield. And the last one went awful. So uh, it would be nice to see Mike win. Although I heard a story from somebody, a very good source, that Tyson, like a couple months ago, took DMT with a bunch of uh, shamans, shaman monks, and had like a bad trip, and then wanted to 
murder or fight or destroy all the shamans. So the guy had to drive up to Malibu and Tyson was literally chasing 50 monks that were running for their lives from Mike Tyson. That's what I heard. Uh, it seems like a thing out of Family Guy or The Simpsons, but that's a pretty fucking funny scene. I mean, Mike Tyson chasing monks who are running for their lives. Is there anything funnier? I mean, is there anything funnier? The only thing I think, I think is funnier is when I worked on a cruise ship and the guy told me that Richard Simmons, because they had celebrities come and would like take over part of the cruise. So Richard Simmons wanted a cruise ship to have the Richard Simmons cruise. They only sold like 300 tickets and the, and the cruise has like you know, 3,000 people. So they didn't tell anyone that Richard Simmons sort of had his section of the cruise. And my friend was eating breakfast and all of a sudden Richard Simmons jumps on a table and a bunch of like fat people or overweight people start dancing around him. And people are like, what the fuck is going on? Is that Richard Simmons? Who are these fat people? Where am I? That, if you have like that followed by like Mike Tyson chasing a bunch of monks, I think you have a pretty good uh, episode of, uh, of a family guy or Simpsons, at least, at least two, you know, funny moments. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's crazy. Um, I don't know what's going on. I, I live in LA right now. There was a, there was they're kicking these homeless people out of, out of a park near me. And, you know, it, it's, I will obviously want to see homeless people have shelters. I want, I want to see them happy. I want to see them not homeless. I want to see people well-fed. So it's, it's a horrible thing. Um, as a parent, you know, sometimes I would go to a park and you see all these people living in tents. It's, it's, it's you, you want to have your kid play at the park. It's a tough situation for everybody. It, it, it sucks for everybody, right? It's, it's bad, but you know, you don't want to kick people out of some place and they just want to live. That's, that's terrible. At the same time, you want to give people good housing. I can sort of see all, all sides of this, but what I don't understand is on my Twitter feed, people are saying to fund the police like replace them with social workers. Like the last thing you want during a domestic violence situation is a social worker showing up with a pen and pad. I mean, could you imagine like somebody who's just like, like punching a, a female and then she's like, hey, stop. Like, how do you feel right now when he hits you? It, it, it's bad. It, you, let's, let's have some common sense people. You know, you, obviously we, we need good cops. We need trained cops. You need, you need, you need cops that really care. You gotta get rid of the bad cops, but let's not just start thinking that anyone could do a cop's job because uh, it's 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 rough out there. Uh, all right. Speaking of which, a uh, rough Casey Kenny came to my show last night. Casey Kenny, who had a great fight with Dominic Cruz, great fight with Dominic Cruz. I'm I'm a fan of Dominic Cruz. I'm a fan of Casey Kenny. I like both of them. Uh, Casey, you know, got in hot water because they asked him about Megan Anderson. And uh, he found her hot and he said he would bang her at 4 a.m. He's like, oh, you know, I wouldn't kick her out of bed at 4 a.m. or something like that. And, uh, look, I'm not gonna comment on that. I think she's an attractive girl. I think that you gotta be smart when you say shit about people that you work with. At the same time, on that note, I'm old, like I'm 42. Like, you, like it's the opposite for me. Like someone has to be really hot for me to have sex at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, my wife, obviously, but even if I was single, I'm tired. I don't want to have sex at 4 a.m. Like, to me, it's like a girl's like a 7 p.m. or like, yeah, I, I'd, I'd bang her at, at 4 in the afternoon. I mean, that's to me is like a, I can, you know, 
go on with my day or get it out of the way or knock it out, you know, but for I mean, I remember I dated a girl who, uh, Kehlani, a very attractive adult film star back in the day. And, uh, I mean, still hot, but she would keep me up till four o'clock in the morning and that would kill me. My whole fucking day is ruined. I was up till four or less on Godfrey's live. I got a headache right now. I don't feel good. I'm tired. I want to take a nap. Uh, it's the opposite for me. And Kehlani, I, 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 she was, there was some fun stuff though. She said to me one time, uh, we were dating and she goes, I don't care how many bitches you date. I just want to be your number one bitch. Uh, which I thought was like crazy. Cause, uh, well, first of all, she worked in the adult film. So I'm like, I just want to be your number one guy today. Uh, which she, she found funny. And then one time I found one of her adult films and she was like, you know, hot Asian, you know, and she was naked on the cover. And I'm like, oh, you look, you know, beautiful. It's a beautiful lady. I turn it over. She's got like a dick in one hand, a dick in the other. And I was like, ah, not so much. And she goes, don't judge me. Like, I don't judge your comedy. I'm like, well, I don't have two fucking dicks on stage while I'm telling jokes. I'm pretty sure that was the end of our relationship. Uh, but uh, it was, anyway, speaking of a hot chick fighting, Misha Tate is back. Misha Tate is back. Uh, she, she's fighting another hottie, the Belizean bruiser. Um, it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a good fight. Happy for Misha. Happy she's back. Brings a lot of fun to the octagon. Uh, at the same time, her last couple fights, maybe she needed to break. She, she knocked out a kid, or had a kid, knocked out a kid. She had a kid, uh, but you know, it's, it's gonna be an uphill battle. Like she's saying that she has the, the things, the, the tools to beat Amanda Nunez. Well, everyone capably has the tools, they have hands and you know, feet and, and a body, but whether or not, I mean, it's like saying, you know, like, come on. I mean, it didn't go, she's got a lot before we, she has got to beat Marion Renault. She took two years off and I love Misha. I'm going to root for Misha. I'm going to root for Marion too. I like both of them, but uh, let's, you know, let's baby steps here before we start calling out the champ, the girl who's the best of all time. Let's, let's be honest with ourselves. However, uh, I like Misha and uh, she, she's great. How was something to like about Misha? She used to hate me and I'm friends with her ex-boyfriend, her ex-husband, Cat Brian Caraway was it her husband or her boyfriend? They married, they have a boyfriend and girlfriend. But he recently got arrested for stealing her ATV. But I guess she stole it first, or they they've been stealing it from each other. I don't know what the fuck happened. I know he got arrested, uh, and I know he gave me free jujitsu lessons, so I didn't make fun of him because if somebody gives me free lessons, I don't roast him. It was hard not to, but I didn't do it. Uh, Adrian Yanez is here. How are you, man? Man, I'm doing very well, man. And yourself? Good. I'm just basically talking to myself. My, uh, my, my co-host canceled, so I'm just talking to myself, talking about Misha Tate and uh, how she's back and how she looks good, uh, how she's calling out Amanda Nunez. I'm, I'm saying baby steps, you know. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's relax a little bit. Uh, let's beat Renault. Um, at the same time, fuck it. You got to have those goals, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, uh, it's almost like the same thing that people are trying to do with me as of right now. They're like, oh, jump them into the like top 10. Like I see a couple people saying top 15, top 10 and all that. Uh, I'm just like, hey, you know, uh, it does it does take a little bit of time uh, for for things to get back in the swing of things and to develop as well. So there's there's a lot going on. But it's hard because, you know, it's like no one, nobody gets into the sport, I would assume, to be like, I want to be number 19 in the world. Like you want to be number one. 
Although, oh, yeah, what's the point of doing it, right? So, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That yeah, like that's that's my that's my aspirations to be to be number one to uh, jump in to jump in and uh, like start challenging for that belt. Uh, but also, you got everybody has to kind of take into reality of the uh, of of just the level. You have to be able to uh, compose yourself and be able to compete at that high level. You can't really just jump off the couch, you know, and be like, "Oh, like uh, me, she's taking this, it's this." Jump off the couch and be like, "All right, uh, she might have been training, but at the same time, he's like, I got the skills to beat Amanda Nunes.' But uh, you know, like the last time they fought, it didn't go her way or anything like that. So you can have the skills, but implementing them are two different things. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, like right now, I believe I do have the skills to compete with those guys who are on the top, top, top ten, top fifteen. But I still need to work my way up to that position. You know, I, I can't just automatically two fights in the UFC just jump up to the to the very uh, cream of the crop. You know, you got to build as well too. So it's 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 I can see it on both sides. Well, you knocked out Gustavo Lopez, who is a friend of mine, nicest guy in the world. Why do you have to do that to him? I mean, he's such a nice guy. Like, couldn't you have just beat him? You had to knock him out, really? I mean, come on. <laughs> no, man. I like him, too, man. I like him, too, man. It, it got a uh, – I was, I was trying to see where all the hostility was coming from, from all the uh, – I think it was, like, everybody else and all these other interviews or, like, the odds. You know, I thought – I felt like going into this fight, the fight was, like, a lot closer and everything because I was – like, I knew who he was. I respect to, like – like who he is as a fighter. So I was like, I was, every interview was like, nah, man, of course my, my big goal is to, is to knock him out, you know, but uh, like, I know what I have in front of me. Everybody was kind of writing him off, you know, before the fight had even started. And I was like, I don't know what y'all guys, guys are looking at. Gustavo's tough, man. I got my hands full, dude. He's like, he can knock you out. He can take you down and submit you, man. So uh, I saw him fight week and he was like, uh, and like the press conference, I was like, "Whoa, dude!" <laughs> like I respect you, man. Uh, so, but no, man, I, I I like the guy too, man. He's very hard. He's hardworking. He's determined, man. Uh, you know, I'm just sorry, man. <laughs> His uh, his name was on the contract. Nah, you did what you had to do. I mean, you uh, they were saying that you had you fought like a perfect fight. They were, I mean, the the commentators were really high on you, and I know you had Teddy Atlas talking about you. How how that feel? Man, that actually, that actually, like, brought, like, legitimately had brought, like, absolute joy to my heart because, man, like, growing up, growing up, me, my dad, my brother, my family, we'd be watching the boxing fights, and, you know, I, I have nothing but good memories of, uh, of just, like, anytime we'd read the Teddy Atlas scorecard, you know, we, like, that was, that was our, our uh, vision of, of, uh, of, like, how, how do I say it, like, that was like I just remember nothing but good times seeing the Teddy Atlas scorecard and every time like us as a family we were together watching the boxing fights. So like it meant a lot that uh, Teddy Atlas was going around and, and reaching out and actually saying good things about me because I was like, dude, this is this is the dream, you know. I wish like uh, there was points in times where I wanted to be a boxer uh, and like I dreamed of those moments of like Teddy Atlas like doing that and I didn't think it would happen, you know, because I do MMA. And I competed in MMA at, uh, in the UFC. So I was like, to me, seeing that like was like, holy crap, like that that's amazing. That's this is absolutely amazing. It's like I was I was shaking. I was I was I was like trying to hold back tears and everything. They, they were telling me that uh, at the press conference. It's like, uh, don't cry on TV, don't cry, don't cry on YouTube, man. Don't do this, don't be that guy right now. So I was holding I was holding back like some some emotions during that time. No, was, I hear you. It's like when I did Leno and I had Bill Maher was like, 
I love Bill Maher and he was behind me laughing on the show and Leno was laughing and it's like surreal, right? It's almost like, you're like, man, this is like a dream almost, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. It, 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 it felt like a dream. It absolutely felt like a dream to me because I, I wanted to like literally pinch myself to see if I was awake because everything had went like way better than I expected. I, I didn't, I didn't expect uh, to get this, to get this amount of like praise from, from everybody. And, uh, I just went out there and just kind of just fought, you know, I just was in my own head during, especially during the fight. Cause man, like you got someone like, like Gustavo, man, who's going to go out there and put it on the line every single time. So, uh, I was like, man, like for me to do that against like a high level, high level, uh, guy like Gustavo, and then for everybody else to take notice of that, uh, especially after, after the fact, you know, uh, was really like, kind of like a dream to me. Cause it was like, man, like I, this is the perfect, it was the perfect storm, you know. I had a great opponent, you know. I was on, a, I was on a card, you know, like on the, I was on a main card, main card status, you know, on on somebody like Derek Brunson and uh, Kevin Holland, which you know brought the eyes of the TV. And I, I come on right after uh, Bam Tai uh, Tuivasa after him knocking somebody out, and I was like, I was like, man, this is just like, like, this is just like perfect time for me, perfect time for me to do something big and. Especially with this, especially at that at that at this point in my time, you know, I'm coming. I I just knocked somebody out in October. I come back. I take we me and Gustavo are just thinking about each other for the next four months, and then we fight. We fight, and I come out with a flawless performance, and you know, it's like it all kind of just bashed in together. It was like a like a really like a dream state type of night for me, and it was like for all of it to like kind of explode the way it did. It was like freaking phenomenal. You well, you earned it, man. Now, who's the Marine? Oh, that's that was my father. My father was a uh, my father was a Marine. He actually served uh, in the Navy, Army, and the Marines. So this is my dad's corner right here. Uh, my dad's corner, uh, like we have it for him uh, since he had passed away back in uh, 2016. Uh, so this this is my dad's corner. This is actually my dad's favorite custom. I'm doing the interview on and everything. So that's yeah, well, tell, well so, thank you to your dad. Um, I was gonna say tell your dad, but maybe tell him to some. I don't know. But but it, uh, I mean, is that because like he was Mexican and then they put him in everything? Is that what you guys they do? They just have you guys work three times. You can't just be in the army. You have to be in the. Oh yeah, no, no. My dad, my dad was the uh, my dad. I don't know. Like my dad was just one of those guys that man. He just worked all the time. He just wanted to do, wanted to improve and be better. And uh, he tried out the navy and he was. He did it for a couple of years, and he felt like it just wasn't enough for him. He wanted to do more, and then he got into the army. Uh, I don't know what he was looking for because he was like, "I want something more." And then he jumped into the Marines, and uh, he was in the Marines for the longest, and that's the one that he's most proud of. Like I didn't even know for like for the longest time until like I was like probably eighteen that my dad was like, "Yeah, I, I served in the Navy and the Army." It's like he never talked about it. Like, like, how come you never talked about it? But yeah, he served in the Navy army, then the Marines in that exact order. And I, you know, my dad was like pretty much like, like, like he loved it. If he didn't like, honestly, if, uh, if he didn't meet my mom, he was going to reenlist, he was going to reenlist, but, uh, you know, he, he loved serving. That was one thing that he really loved. He loved your serving. mom was actually more work than the Navy, Army, Marines. You're oh like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So it was, you know, it, it all worked out. You know, I'm kind of glad that he, he, he met my mom because I wouldn't be here. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. He was a boxer too, right? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, he was a boxer. He, was a, uh, he boxed in the amateurs. Uh, pretty much what he uh, he was telling me that, 
like I actually found an old newspaper clippings. He actually went came in second uh, one year. That was the hand that he broke. It. That was the year that he broke his hand. Uh, he was uh, he won Golden Gloves twice in a year. I had the newspaper clipping where he came in second uh, for the Golden Gloves, and then the next year he went back and uh, that next year he went back and got the uh, first place in Golden Gloves. So he's a three-time Golden Glove uh, boxer when he was younger. Uh, he came in second place one one year because he broke his hand in the uh, in the last fight, and pretty much like like that's how everything kind of just correlates together. Because my dad would always be telling me boxing, telling me about his boxing stories, and I was just like always like think about it, and I would always want to try to do that. I always want to try to emulate that because I see the pa- I I would see the passion that my dad had like talking about boxing and boxers, and whenever the fights would come on, I would see it, and I would want to uh, I would want to like do it because I saw the passion behind it and I saw like the, the love of it that that everybody had for it especially even just like watching like the 24 sevens and all that stuff just seeing like uh Manny Pacquiao and like the love that he had for boxing and all that stuff so to me I was like I fell in love with it just for like seeing them have the passion for it and I was like and just the camaraderie like after the fight you know before everybody's all mad everybody's gonna get each other's faces they want to they're about to go blow for blow and then right after like dude they can hug it out <laughs> right after. Uh, 24-7's got me. Dude, I'm like, I'm not watching this fight. I'm not watching this fight. This fight's stupid. Then the 24-7's happened. Then I'm like, when's the next one? I'm like, uh, like, exactly. All right. But your dad sounds like the Mexican Punisher. Like, he was a Marine. He came back as a boxer. <laughs> like, like he Oh, like yeah, man. I, yeah, it was, it, it was weird for a second, man. It was weird. Because, uh, like, Everybody be talking about how like how like especially in especially in school, everybody be like, My dad can beat up your dad and I would be like, you know, oh no, my dad could probably kill your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh I, I would always end up winning the argument but also get in trouble by the teacher for saying that out loud. So <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, you know what, man, he'd be so proud of you. Oh man, I I, I, be, I believe so, man. I, I like pretty much, like I'd be doing my dad a disservice if I wasn't going out there and trying to follow my dreams. So, uh, you know, like he, him, and my mom, they both, they both pretty much helped. They pretty much like gave me and my brother the uh, the foundation and told us like pretty much like uh, if if you if you do anything in this life, you just got to make sure you follow your dream. And that's pretty much what we're doing. And like, like uh, it didn't wouldn't even have to be with fighting, you know, because my dad just wanted. My mom and dad just want to make sure that we follow something that we love. And they pretty much almost never told us that we couldn't do something. Like anytime that something like if we had like a mental lapse or anything like that, they would always kind of bring us in and just be like, look, just learn from this. It's, 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 it's good. It's good to have, it's good to have these little mental lapses because now you get room to grow, room to learn. So, you know, it's, 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 it's all been like great. It's all been great, you know, because how like, especially, because both of them, like, they both have great work ethic. Like, my dad was working, like, 12-hour, like, 12 to 13-hour shifts at his day job, at his job, and still take take me and my brother to go train. And then my mom was still, was working two or three jobs. Even my mom right now still works two jobs, still works two jobs. She doesn't even have to, but she just works. So, it, like, it set, like, a great, uh, a great, like, uh, system in my own head to keep on going and keep working and, like, to outwork everybody. Well, I mean, well, you were like a, a meter reader, right? Oh yeah, I was that. I was that a hole shutting people's waters off at that oh, time, man. God. Oh yeah. Uh, did you ever like feel bad and you like couldn't do it? 
there was there there was a couple times where I felt super bad. The lady came out and she came out crying, and I was was like, I felt super super bad, man. Uh, I was it was like, but I was honestly at that time I was still new, so I had like I had like no idea like what I could do and what I couldn't do and everything. So like I had to like I had to shut the water off. And I just felt, I just remember leaving, like, whenever I was driving off, I just felt so bad. Like, I, I knew that, I knew that I needed to, to move or needed something, something different to happen. Because, man, I just, I never felt good. And I still think about it. And I'm just like, dude, like that, I feel, I, like, I think back about it. And I just like, man, I'm such a dick. No, <laughs> it, was, it was your job, number one. It was, it was your job. I mean. After you, you know, win the championship, you can get us some water, go back there, have like a bottle of water. Listen, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, it was, it was, it was your job. It was, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I hear you though. I would, I, I would be the exact same way. I would be like, probably come back and sneak it and turn on and, you know, or something. But I hear you, man. Uh, oh, yeah. No, there's only like one time where I didn't feel bad. There was only like one time where I didn't feel bad. The guy, the guy pretty much was, uh, was like almost like, he, he was pretty close. Like he, I, 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 luckily I had my coworker on the other line on on my work phone, because uh, he was hearing everything that was going on. But I was so close to just like dropping everything and just beating this guy up because he was just, he was just out of line, man. He was he was cussing, he was getting close and personal, man. And I was just like, I was like, ooh, man, I don't want to lose my job right now. I, yeah. I really don't. Uh, but I could understand thinking back, but he was, a uh, he was, con- he was one of those guys that would consistently bring trouble no matter what, like in, in, into the, uh, into where we worked at. So it, I got, I kind of, I kind of should have figured. So you quit that job. Now you're training full time. Uh, you have a girlfriend or wife? Oh yeah. I've been having a girlfriend for about, man, like eight years. Like, yeah, I think it's about to be eight years this year. So like, yeah, I made it. So. What are you waiting for? No, no ring, nothing. Oh no, man! I wasn't making enough. I wasn't making enough. I'm finally making some, finally making some, some, some okay money. You know, some, some okay money. Like I wasn't even making, uh, like what I worked for the city. I didn't have like, I, I wasn't even making what I made that that last like last year, man. Like, dude. So, like just working like a regular day job. So I wasn't making like I wasn't making a lot. Now I feel a little bit more comfortable. Like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I can maybe. You know, play your cards right, you know. <laughs> Eight years? What? I mean, this girl was with you when you were, you know, how, how old are you now? 23, 24? Oh, man. I was, uh, so I'm 27. Okay, so she was with you since you were 19. Oh, uh, yeah. So, dude, you got to, I mean. Oh, I barely know the girl. <laughs> no, man. Uh, no, she's, she's. She definitely deserves it. She definitely deserves it, man. Like, uh, I just, I just know on my, on my end, I've always been like that type of person that, uh, like if, if I'm, if I'm going to make sure that I can bring, like, if I can like, like marriage and everything, I want to make sure that like, I can do everything. Like, as in like, I want to make sure like she, like I'm her security. That's, that's the way I think about it. It's like, that's not the, you're not, listen, listen, take it from me. All right. <laughs> I, I, I've been around the block. You gotta just grow with the person. You fuck it. You're never gonna be as secure as you want. 
<laughs> you don't, you're going to go, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to have a kid till I'm ready. I'm not, you're never going to be ready. You just fucking, you just, it's like a fight, dude. You, you can't, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. All right. You can, you could have the best plan thing in the fucking world. And all of a sudden somebody throws a teep kick and you're like, what the fuck? That wasn't on the fucking, like, or a spinning wheel kick. And now you're like a heel hook. You're like, I got to get the fuck out. You just got to, it's like jazz, man. You just have to roll with the punches. But, uh, but you know, listen, I, you know, if it's not, I, I know people that have been together for eight, nine years, then they get married and they last six months. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. She's obviously, you know, with you, you guys are loyal to each other, I think, or maybe not, but whatever. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, definitely, man. Uh, no, she's, she's been, she's been a really big part of like, like everything. Like I, like, uh, one of the biggest things that I still tell her to this day is like, man, uh, thank you for like believing in me because i told i i would tell i still tell her to this day is like look i just wait i'm like i'm going to like i'm gonna have like like i'm gonna make sure that we're set it's like just just continue to believe in me and even to this day like even back then like whenever i like we first started dating i was i was like uh i was like four and oh as an amateur and i even told her back then it's like as long as you believe in me i we're, we're good. Like, as long as you still let me, like, and you don't, like, pull me away from something that I've been dreaming about, like, I, I, no, we're, we're going to be good. And luckily for, luckily for her, she, she used to do sports in high school. So she would, like, if it wasn't for her having to, uh, having to go to the doctor for, like, her hip for, because it, like, she had to have surgery on her hip, she would have went to college for it. So she knows, like, the, the, the dedication that it takes to be in a sport. So, for for her, she was like, yeah, I wouldn't want anybody to tell me at that time not to go for, not to follow my dreams and, and, this, and follow my track dreams. So she she sympathized with me and pretty much was like been super supportive of me. Like she's my biggest fan. So that's the best, that's the best thing. Yeah, you got to get a girl like that. My girl, because same here, like I was ready to quit a couple times comedy because I'm just like, fuck this. It's not, and then she's like, you're not quitting. And I, as much as she gets competitive with my comedy sometimes of like, why are you going to this? Why don't me focus on me? Blah, blah, blah. She's like, it was like, no, you're too good to quit. So that's a, that's, that's the kind of girl. That's an ace in the hole right there. Oh yeah. No, that's been my secret weapon for the longest time. Cause like there's, there has been times where like, especially whenever I was before the UFC, I was like, man, I'm getting older. Like, man, like, I don't know how much, like all these people that are coming in are 22, 23, 24, you know, between those age, age ranges, they're getting like the, the bump and getting the uh, getting the big superstar status. And me, like I'm 20, like I was 26. I was like, like I'm getting older. I'm getting to that point where like they're like, as soon as I hit 30, I know it's over. Like, and I'm not in the UFC, I know it's over. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm, I was starting to get to that point, and I had just like recently had a I had a loss, and that set me for a loop. And I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, I'm, I'm thinking about like just stopping that was my stopping point and she pretty much just told me is like go back to the gym like just go back to the gym don't don't just go have fun it's like you just need to get in there and just keep going back like and you'll find you'll find yourself and you know if it wasn't for her my coach my family kind of pushing me like to be like look no you're good at this you can do it like i probably would have quit a while back ago like i'm happy because you won six in a row <laughs> You've been knocking everybody out, and you look like a superstar. Adrian Yanez, where can people find you and follow you? 
Oh man, they can follow me on on Instagram Instagram at Adrian Yanez ninety three on Twitter Yanez MMA. Uh, you can friend me on Facebook. I still don't think I have five thousand friends on there. Uh, I do have a lot of people waiting on that list though. Um, also, like on Facebook, you can uh, just type in Adrian Yanez MMA and you can follow my fan page. I do have a website up, uh, Yanez MMA. I'm trying to get it up and going. Uh, YanezMMA.com. Trying to get it up and going and trying to get a little bit more like uh, traction through that so I can have like like just a place where people can see everything that I do so trying to make it a little bit more personal try to find out a little bit more about me as well I love it well thank you and have a great weekend brother man thank you thank you for having me on man anytime anytime all right so we got Jin Yu Fry uh coming up for first win in the UFC I'm so proud of this girl I've, I've been following her since before like I mean it sounds creepy but like in her evicted days I've been I've been a fan <laughs> of this girl forever uh, I'm just such a fan, and she looked so good in her last fight. How are you, Jenny Fry? I'm I'm good. I just want to say I caught the tail end of um, Adrian's interview, and he was saying that he knew if he didn't make it in the UFC by the time he was 30, it was over. I just want to say I'm 35, and I just made it in. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah. So, yeah I, I know. I, I was like, so I he, he's got to slow his roll. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. 100%. 100%. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, but you, you look like you're, you're 19, though. You have that, like, somebody said that Asian people, they go from, like, 18 to, like, 90 overnight. Uh, so you're still on the 18 part. You look very yeah. young. My husband's like, one day you're just going to wake up and you're going to be, like, a raisin. But it's like, you'll be young, and then the next day you'll just be a raisin. <laughs> wow, wow. That's, that's way funnier than what I said. Uh, so uh, how does it feel to get the, the first UFC win? Um, it feels good. Um, it, it took me a lot longer to get there than I thought it was going to. Um, so it's, it's nice. It's like kind of a huge weight off my chest. Yeah. Was there pressure being the Invicta champion coming over? Did you put undue pressure on yourself? Yeah, I did. And actually, um, after the first two, I ended up hiring like a mental coach to work with because like, that was kind of the problem. I was like, you know, just putting so much pressure on myself. Like I wasn't enjoying myself. Um, I was making things way too stressful and um just going in with kind of a heavy mindset like i can't screw this up versus like i have the opportunity to go in there and do something that i really enjoy and you know take a path that i've chosen for myself um so i should be enjoying this moment not worrying about screwing it up i think you're too smart it's a problem is i feel like the people that are like dumb and don't overthink things that they that they do much better uh yeah but you like everyone like I'm, I put myself in that category. I overthink everything. And I'm like, if I would just leave myself alone, I would do so much better in life. But uh, it's hard to do that. It is. And, and actually, um, this last time I fought at like 2.30 Vegas time. And that was like, that was so amazing. Because, you know, normally you like you fight later in the evening. And so like you get up fight day and all day you're just like analyzing the situation, you're visualizing, you're stressed out. It's like just this emotional roller coaster. Whereas, you know, I slept in, I ate, had a little shakeout. Then it was time to like shower, get my clothes on and go to the event center. And, you know, by three o'clock I'm back at the hotel and I'm done fighting. That, yeah. I was, I actually talked about that earlier, but not the same, but there was like, I think Courtney Casey said that, he called Megan Anderson like a 4 a.m. girl, or like he, he said he would bang her at 4 a.m. or something. And I'm mm -hmm. like, meaning that like she's not that hot. Like, and I'm like, man, at 4 a.m., a girl has to be like the hottest girl ever for me to stay up that late. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm old. Like, it has to be like, it's the opposite. Like, for me, you know. You're like, it's got to be worth my time. 
for me to stay yeah. up past 10 o'clock. <laughs> right. At 4 a.m., I'm fucking, like, it has to be Beyonce or something. I'm not, I'm not staying <laughs> up fucking until 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, now, what I liked about your fight was that, uh, like, what I, I love about, like, like, Floyd Mayweather is that he sometimes loses the first four rounds or he'll go two and two. He figures out what he has to do, and then he wins the next eight. Uh, it seemed like you did that, too. Like, you won the first, the second they probably gave to her, but you, you made the adjustment on the fly. Yeah, um, so the game plan originally going in was like to wrestle and put her on her back because we knew that she wasn't as near as comfortable on her back as she as she is standing. And then like I won the first round and I was like, all right, I'm feeling pretty good. Like maybe maybe I'll kickbox a little bit. Let's just see how this goes. And then and then it wasn't going that great. So then I was like, all right, let's let's rewind. Let's let's back up. <laughs> That's, so you got you got kind of cocky or like you're like feeling yourself well, too much. Or? Well, just like. Hey, let's let's see how this goes. Let's, um, right. you know, just just kind of going out there doing my own thing. And my coach was like, "No, don't. Let's like let's stop that right now." I'm like, "Okay." okay I'm, not <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, this this comedy's going, set's going well. Let me try the most offensive joke I know." And then I just like say something, and then everyone's mad at me. And I'm like, "Why the fuck? Why did I do that?" Oh, shit. Like, yeah. Now I have okay. to like rein it back in. I hear you though. Sometimes, sometimes you like because it seemed like the, the, did she ever hurt you at all in a second? No, and it's, I think it's a lot of it's too. It just like it feels so good to hit people. You know what I mean? And I was like, all right, I just I just want to crack somebody. Um, but I was getting cracked a little more than like doing the cracking. So, um, <laughs> so we you know we we had to rewind that a little bit and uh, go back to go back to the game plan. <laughs> got it. Got it. Now, uh, now you now you're you're half Korean and you grew up in Arkansas. Were you the only half Korean girl in Arkansas? Well, I, I was born in Arkansas just because my mom like moved around like all over the place. Um, I didn't actually grow up in Arkansas. Like I grew up in Texas. Did your parents um, be in the military? No, I, you know, like, so my mom is like mentally ill. And so I don't know how, like, she's not the best historian. And so she'll tell me things that like don't really make sense. So I really don't know like about much about my childhood. And I don't really know how much of like what she's told me is like accurate. Cause sometimes she says things that make like absolutely no sense. And I'm like, for example, please tell me what she says. Uh, you know, I, she says all kinds of stuff. Like, you know, she'll call me to tell me somebody broke in her house and like, I don't know, stole vacuum cleaner bags. Like, I mean, she's like out there, out there sometimes. But then sometimes she's like so with it and she'll tell me something like straight faced. I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. And then like five minutes later, she's like. Well, we have a lot. You know, my mom, my mom yeah. has schizophrenia and uh, I haven't seen her since I was three. She's, and, she, and she has no recollection of me and my sister. So I can relate to this. Uh, maybe that's why I'm laughing. Uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't tell me stories about someone stealing a vacuum cleaner. But what if she's telling the truth? What if somebody is actually stealing vacuum cleaner pads? I mean, it's true. I mean, but I was just, and it's, sometimes it's like, so it's like, sometimes it, you just have to laugh because you're like, God, this is so ridiculous. But sometimes it like gets frustrating. Like, or I'm just like, do you hear yourself? Like somebody broke in your house and the only thing they took out of all of your possessions were your vacuum okay. cleaner bags. Well, was Diego Sanchez near her house at the time? Because I feel like that's something he would do. Uh, like, <laughs> have to think about who was around her house at the time it could just be this like big conspiracy to make her look crazy but she's yeah really not. <laughs> maybe, needed, maybe he needed back in there now you you grew uh, you're um i'm reading this thing you graduated high school in three years uh which is like you're in the top two percent of your class which is also crazy that there was somebody else that graduated in three years too 
So you graduated when you were 16? Um, no, I like I just turned 17 and then finished. I mean, that's like, uh, do you, did you feel young at all? Do you feel too young to graduate or like emotionally young or? No, honestly, I was like, I'm over, I'm like, I'm over high school. Like, you know, it, it was, it was super fun for a minute. And then I don't know. I was just like, I'm over this, like, ready get on with my life, grow up. Like. Then you, you, uh, you earn your AAS. I don't even know what that is. Associates. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. Associates in applied science. And then, uh, well, you were in the top 2% of your class, AS in nuclear medicine at Amarillo College. So what is that? Please tell, tell I'm, I'm, I don't know this stuff. What, what is that? Um, so it's like a branch of radiology um, using radioactive isotopes for like diagnostic imaging. And like, I still work part-time doing that. Like I actually went in, they called me in this morning um, and I went in at like six and uh, worked like a little bit at the hospital. So I still, like I still dabble <laughs> in nuclear medicine. Then you went to Midwestern State University getting a BS in radiologic sciences. And then you went to University of Texas where you got your master's. What did you get your master's in? Um, business. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Like, yeah. I, it's, um, yeah, I like killed myself getting, um, going through grad school and, you know, got my MBA. And like, I haven't used it at all. Like as soon as I finished grad school, I pretty much quit working and started fighting full time. So um, I just have this like, I don't know, $25,000 piece of paper that doesn't, doesn't even hang on my wall. It's like, like a in a closet. Person. I mean, you're like a genius <laughs> scientist who fights people. Like, I, I'm sure, I think your husband's in the room. I think you keep looking at him, right? Is that what's going on? Uh, no, I'm just watch, watching my dog. Oh, watching he's your like, dog? He's like making sure he's not like getting in stuff because he, he, he tends to get into stuff. Okay, so you, but like, if you ever went on like The Bachelorette, there'd be like a line of men, just so you know, like, uh, like if like there'd be a lot, you do have a, you're a master's, you're a fighter, you're smart, you're pretty, like what's going on? Like this is like, this, were you, are you a real person or, or is this a, an alien? Like what, what, what happened? You know, you, you make it sound good. I'm actually like super boring. Like I, I'm at home, I like garden, I like run my dogs and, and I go train and like, that's about it. Like, my, you know, people are always like, why aren't you more active on social media? Like post what you're doing. I'm like, I'm literally like laying on my couch all day. Like I don't have an interesting life. I'm super boring. Um, you're good for that shit. You don't need everyone knowing you, your business. Like you, you've already done, you're doing what you love. What do you, you don't need to promote your brand of CBD and, and, and like foot fetish videos. Like you, you, you have a, you have a husband. You have, you have any kids? Uh, no, no kids. You want kids? Mm. Nah, not for, I don't think they're for me. <laughs> all right, well, you, got, you, got, you have a life, you have a, a dog, you have a husband, you fight. You don't need to do all that. Like, how do you feel about the other girls doing OnlyFans? And um, you know, you know to each their own. And, you know, I hear you make a ton of money doing that. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to judge anybody for, for what they do. Um, you know, fighting doesn't pay great and it's, a, it's hard, you know, to make a living doing it. You know, I worked full time most of my career. Um, I still work part time at the hospital. Um, you know, so to each their own and you know, if that's how they have to, you know, get by so that they can follow their dreams or whatever, you know, it's, you know, they're the ones that has to deal with the consequences later of, you know, maybe having children and they're naked all over the internet. You know, that's, that's their own business to, uh, to come to terms with, I guess. What do you do at the hospital? Like they call you in and then what do you do there? 
Um, so I inject people with radiation. Oh, so people have cancer? Um, so I, I used to work at a cancer center. Now I just work at a, like a general hospital. Like we mostly do cardiac stress testing. Um, so we inject uh, the radioactive materials in and then we like do imaging to like look at the blood flow to their coronary arteries and that sort of thing. Do you have to wear like a mask and the whole hazmat thing and all that? No, it's um, it's a little bit type like X-rays and like CTs. Like you want to wear lead because it's um, a different type of radiation. With this type of radiation, it's better just to um, limit your time and try to distance yourself from it. So just get in and out pretty quick. But we don't have to wear like you know tons of lead or any kind of like protective gear. We just wear like dosimeters that measure how much radioactive material we're receiving to like our chest and our like dominant hand. And so they monitor that pretty regularly. Oh, you're a badass fighter at the hospital. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Really? So yeah. like, so like, did you come in? Did they all clap for you after you won? Was it like a big welcome home gin? Like, uh, so, sometimes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Like they're, they're super awesome at the hospital. Um, they work with my schedule pretty well. Like if they know I have a fight coming up, I'm like, Hey, don't call me, leave me alone. Um, so they'll like, leave me alone. Like they pretty much let me come in and pick up shifts when I want. And then they pretty much leave me alone. Like when I'm in fight camp. So people like uh, you're working on know it, like you're sitting there, you're like, oh, I need radiation. And then you come in and you're like, Hey, you're the girl from the TV that I saw a fight. Uh, you know, I, I haven't really had a lot of people recognize me like patient wise. There, there've been a couple, but m most of them are like pretty elderly. Like I, I don't think they're like watching the USC. And, and I mean, plus I'm wearing a mask, so. That would still be badass. If I was in the hospital and like, I'm a fight fan and you came in to like, give me, I'd be excited. I'd be like, this is awesome. I don't know, that would make my day, I think. But then weird things make my day. Like me and my wife and I just bought a house and we have a bird feeder, but they took out the bird seed because when they were, they were testing for termites, whatever. And I'm like, we gotta get bird feed. I'm like, that'll make my day watching a bird. My wife's like, that's like weird. No, no, I get it. Like, um, so we moved into our, our house that we're in now, maybe like five years ago. And I've been trying to get hummingbirds for like ever. And last year we had, we got our first hummingbird and I'm like super stoked. I'm like setting up the camera with a remote thing so I can record it. Like I'm super excited. I'm like, Oh my God, everybody look, we got a hummingbird. Um, yeah. No, I, so, so I get it. I get it. But meanwhile, on my phone, I have like 2000 videos of my kid. And I won't delete any of them, but I'm not gonna watch them. Like I, I don't even. They're just there, but I'm afraid to delete them. You know. Like, I'm the same. I'm the same way with my dogs. They're like my kids. So I have all these videos of my dogs doing like the same things. Like they're not even really doing anything new, but it's just like. Yeah, but you want them the same way. just in case I'm like bored in like a stuck in the bottom of a boat or something, and I want to have something to look at like that for that one time. We're looking at a new dog now, and these rescue people are crazy. Like they just take all the cute dogs from the pound and then don't let you, they want to interview me and my wife. I'm like, we don't need to be judged by the dog people. Like I, I, we have enough people judging us in our lives. Uh, I'm like a friend. I just, I may have to just go to the pound and she wants a girly dog. Like she wants a, not a girly dog. She wants like a, uh, like a, I don't know, like a Yorkie or something, uh -huh. or, you know, a Pomeranian. And I mm -hmm. want like a pit or we have a kid, so probably not a pit, but like a boxer or like a bulldog. Something a little more active. Yeah. We, we, we went through that. We, um, we adopted a Belgian Malinois from the American Belgian Malinois Rescue Society. And we had like three interviews. We did a background check. They came to our house. They did a house check and like walked, just checked out our house and our yard. And like, how many times a week do you work out? Like, how active are you? Like, cause I, you know, 
Belgians have a lot of energy. Yeah. And, but, but it was like, it was pretty intense. But the, meanwhile, you have a kid and no one gives a fuck. Like no one, nobody comes <laughs> yeah. to your house. But it's fine. Just procreate. <laughs> yeah, right. And then when you have one kid, everyone's like, when are you having the next one? Like no one, like, people just want the same people to have kids. Nobody wants like new people to have kids. So like, oh, what? you know, it's just a whole thing. And my, my wife was pregnant. Like she didn't, some women like being pregnant. I know women that are like, I feel alive when I'm pregnant. But my wife hated it. She like, and then even the sex was weird. Like I'd be on top. She'd be like, be nice. And I'd be like, you're pretty. She's like, That's not <laughs> that nice enough <laughs> yeah that was that was not what she meant by saying be nice and uh, how did how did you and your husband meet um so funny enough we're both originally from Amarillo and um like neither one of us were living there at the time like I was in Lubbock and he lived in the Dallas Metroplex area and he was making his promotional or he was fighting professionally making his pro debut for a promotion based out of Amarillo and like a girl that I trained with, she was making her pro debut. So they were both fighting on the same card in Amarillo. So of course, since it was Amarillo, I was like, Hey, I'm going to go home for a little bit and, you know, check everybody out and I'll go with her. So I ended up meeting him, um, you know, while they were both fighting for the same promotion. Did he win his fight? He did. So he was feeling good. He was feeling himself. He was cocky. He's like, I might as well go for my second win. And did he pick you up? Did he say anything? Oh yeah. So uh, it's funny because he did win and I'm like, um, you know, like all, I'm from Amarillo. And so like a lot of my friends bartend and, you know, so I'm just like shit faced or whatever. And I'm like, Hey, do you mind? Like everybody was staying at the same hotel. Um, and so I'm like, Hey, do you mind like driving my car back? Cause I'm like, I'm too fucked up to drive. So he's like, yeah, sure. Of course I will. Oh, oh, and, wow. <laughs> and so like he drives me back and then I'm like, all right, thanks for the ride. See ya. And then, you know, I just go to bed or whatever. And like, he's, he just won his fight. Like all his friends are like partying downtown. And he drove me back to the hotel in my car. So then he's like st stuck in the hotel. The hotel. So what, there, was, there was no Uber back then. You've been married. <laughs> no. So what did he do? He went in your room? Yeah. He, well, he, he just went back to his room and hung out by himself until like, you know, four o'clock in the morning, I guess, when everybody, you know, all his homeboys get back to the wow, hotel. Oh, you ruined his night after he <laughs> I did. his night. Wow. So did you feel guilty at all? Or did you just like, you know, he, he's, did you feel bad? You know, um. So the next morning, you know, I get up early and I'm just like super hungover and I drove back to Lubbock. Um, and I, I ended up sending him like a message on MySpace, like, okay, that's how long ago this was MySpace. And I was just like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate, you know, you making sure that I got back to the hotel safe and driving me back and you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then we just kind of kept, um, you know, the conversation up through MySpace and eventually, you know, now we're married. Wow. So he like, <laughs> so how, how did he, cause a lot of guys probably are watching the show are like friend zoned in the beginning. And then eventually he takes the next step. So does he say, Hey, do you want to go on a date? Or did it, was it like hanging out mutual friends? And then eventually you guys were stuck together. Like how did he make the next leap? Yeah. He asked me um, if I wanted to go out on a date in another city. Cause I lived in Lubbock and he lived in Arlington. Um, and yes, yeah, so like we had been chatting back and forth for some time. And so I made the drive down. Oh, you made the drive. Oh, then what? Yeah. it's a lock. Well, if she's going to drive down, then he's, he's like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. I was talking about bad dates last night. One of the worst dates I went on was I picked a girl up and I'm like, hey, where do you want to get dinner? She's like in Pasadena, right? So we, I drive Pasadena. I'm like, want to go here? It was like Fridays. No. Wanna go? And I named like nine places while I'm driving. And she said no to everything. So then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to drive you back. Like, it's not, this is not working out. 
And then she started crying. And uh, so then I was like, all right, ugh, like, what, let's get some Chinese, let's go to sushi. Like, I had to get her to stop crying. And then she's like, you're never gonna call me again. Like we hadn't even like, it was like our first date and she's already crying and telling me I'm not gonna call. Of course I never called her again. <laughs> you're like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> that, yeah, that was bad. And then there was a fighter girl I went on a date with who was a vegan, right? So she's like, let's go to my favorite vegan restaurant. It should have been a red flag right there. It was in like a gay men's health clinic, right? Like it was like a gay, it was like where they had AIDS testing. So we're now we're like, we're, we're eating food and people are finding out if they got AIDS or not. Like walking, I'm like, I'm not prepared. I thought I was wanted a, a meal, not like some guy calling home because he's crying. All this emotional out. baggage. Yeah. My lettuce. And she's, and she's not even looking at any, and I'm looking to see who has, who got it. You know, I'm looking who came out. It was, that, that was a pretty bad. So uh, those were two terrible dates I went on was the AIDS. Uh, did, did you go on bad dates before this guy or no? Um, not a ton. There's like one that stuck out. Like it was just very bizarre. Like I, when I was in college, like I worked at a hospital as well and I worked in pathology and I used to have to run up to surgery to grab like all the surgery specimens to bring back to pathology. And, um, he was kind of, he, he was like a decent looking guy, but he was kind of creepy. Like he would always just pop up like out of nowhere. And I'd be like, holy shit, where the fuck were you? Um, like he would just pop up like <laughs> over my shoulder. And so he ends up like asking me out to a movie or whatever. And um, I was like, well, I was like, sure, you know, and I pull into the movie theater and I mean, it's a huge movie theater. I mean, there's like hundreds of cars literally before I put my car in park, he's like at my window and I'm like, holy <laughs> fuck, where the fuck did you come from? <laughs> and like, I just couldn't get over it. And like the whole, the whole like movie, I'm just like, like, I can't get over that. I'm like, that was so fucking creepy. Like where the fuck did this guy come from? <laughs> and yeah. So, you know, we went out and he just comes out of the like afterwards he wants to go get dinner or whatever, but I, like, I make up some excuse and I go home and I just like, it was, it was just like the most awkward thing. And I didn't return any of his calls after that. And then, you know, luckily I didn't work at the hospital much longer after that. So I didn't see him anymore, but I was just like, like, I couldn't get over how fucking creepy that was. Like I literally had not even put my car in park <laughs> and he's at my window. It sounds like a guy who's really good at planning things, but not really executing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was just like, holy shit. That's hilarious though. That, that's really, really funny. Uh, and then do you have any long-term relationships before your, your, your ex or no? Or your current husband? Um, yeah, I had like, maybe like two, um, I used, I, I was dating like one of the physicians at the hospital for maybe like three years before I, I met Douglas, wow. but, um, yeah, maybe only like two, nothing, nothing that's like super serious. Like I never thought I was going to get married or anything like that. You, you never like live with anybody beforehand? Um, uh, well, I lived with the physician, um, that I dated before I met Douglas. Yeah, my heart, my ex, we lived together. That's the hardest thing when you live with them because it's hard. To, I would try to kick her out because I was paying all the rent and, <laughs> and then she wouldn't leave. Like, <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, you got to leave like tomorrow because she would get drunk and then like just be, she was an alcoholic. It was like Jekyll and Hyde. Like, I can't deal with this. And I'm like, she's like, if you break up with me, I'm going to kill myself. I'm like, okay, I, this is too much. And then I come home and I, you're out by tomorrow, right? Yep, you're out. I come home with like, two in the afternoon or three, she'd be like lasagna. And I'm like, uh-oh. 
And then she'd be like, hey, before I leave, I just want to make you lasagna. I'm like, all right. And then I eat the lasagna and like, I just want to give you a blowjob. I'm not going to say no. And then I'm like, and then after I'm like, you know what? You could stay, you know, like maybe we could work it out. This happened like five times. Finally, I was like, I, I didn't fall for the lasagna blowjob trick. But th that, that was a tough one, you know, eventually that really happened. All right, so here we go. Let's talk about the fights coming up this week. Uh, I feel like you're about to say something. I was just going to say, you just, uh, you got to be a little cold and heartless, but I'm pretty cold and heartless. I'd be like, well, peace the fuck out. See you later. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm, I'm, I'm so bad at like, I can't fire co-hosts from podcasts. I can't like get rid of people. I are nannies stay way too long for my kid. I'm, I'm really, I hate, I don't hate confrontation. I just always put myself in that person's situation and, and take, and take care of everyone else before me. And then I'm too like, empathetic, way too empathetic. I, 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 but that's, I'm working on it in therapy of like, like not, taking on someone's feelings. I have to work on my own feelings and, and not because it's hard. It's, it's hard. I don't know. Like, it's, it really is hard. I'm just, I was just, I'm just not good. I have too many wrestling coaches. I hate firing people because, because I know how hard it is to get jobs. You right. know, like it's just, but anyway, I thought, I thought maybe me saying the blow job was going to piss you off. And I'll be like, what kind of fucking interview is this? All right. So here we go. Um, <laughs> but, but then I see what you like on my Instagram. So I'm like, okay. All right. Oh, so yeah, I don't give a shit. They're perfect. Let's talk about Stipe and Gano. Who wins this fight tomorrow? Oh man, I you know I like I like Stipe. Me I like too. Stipe now he came in thirty pounds lighter than him. Um, I don't really like that part. Does that help um, him? Hurt him? I I don't know. What what was the weight difference uh, last time? I don't know. Good question. <laughs> like that's probably something that I should have known. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he came in thirty pounds lighter. Uh, all right, so I like Stipe too. It's weird this rematch because they both know how they can lose. Stipe knows how he can get clipped, and Engano knows how he could be wrestled. By the way, Eddie If, thanks for coming in 20 minutes late, by the way. Uh, we're talking to Eddie. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we're talking to a girl right now who's a UFC star, by the way, who's also, uh, she got her, uh, she graduated college, high school in three years. She got her AAS in nuclear medicine. She then she went to, she has a BS in radiologic, how am I saying it right? Radiology, radiologic uh, sciences. And then went to Arlington, got her master's in, in, in business. This girl's a straight genius, works at a hospital and she's a fighter and she's half Asian and she's married, uh, which that's the only bad part. I mean, I'm married too, but I'm just saying for the people out there. Uh, and she was the, and she's, she's gonna be the champion. She went up a weight class, she was 105 pounds. She went up 10 pounds to kick some ass. So, so she's, a bit of, she's a bit of an underachiever. Under, exactly. Uh, Eddie If, by the way, is one of the funniest comics in the world. Uh, he came in with that one. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> he also has a new album out, a uh, new special, and he's huge in Australia, right? right? I'm huge in China. But, by the way, uh, <laughs> by the way uh, Jin Yu Frey fought in Japan. What was that like fighting in Japan? Um, it was, it was pretty bizarre. Like, okay, obviously Ryzen like goes above and beyond in like the productions, like pyrotechnics, like all kinds of shit. I'm like, am I going to get caught on fire as I'm walking out? Like this is wild. Um, but it was also like the, the fans there are so like crazy. Like, I mean, I've never fought in Japan before. I don't know most of these people. And like, there was just like crowds of people like wanting to give me gifts and wanting me to sign things. And, and then like fighting in the arena, there's like 14,000 people in there. And it's like, 
dead silent. Like, it's so bizarre. I know the feeling, not the 14,000. I know the dead silence. <laughs> I've experienced that many times. Uh, That's, you know, it's crazy. I did comedy in China. I did a tour. And they, like, they, they kind of laugh or they'll giggle, right? And, but if they don't like it, they'll, they will, they'll say nothing the whole show. And then at the end, come up to you like, that was amazing. That was brilliant. Like, but you didn't make any expression. Like, like you did, they, but they loved it. They just don't show. I, I performed for a whole audience full of Japanese people at the New York Comedy Club in New York once. Yeah. And uh, after the show, they didn't understand a word. And after the show, a woman who was like in charge of them, who spoke the most English came up to me and she goes, she was like, Haro, uh, we I love you very much. You're very funny. We saw cats today. You funnier than cats. <laughs> so, so I've put that on my posters where it's funnier than cats. <laughs> Dead by Japanese tourists. Um, so, uh, can I ask a question? Um, and I don't, it's probably going to come off as really offensive, but. Uh, yeah, sure. That's oh, yeah. what I do. Um, you're very pretty. And I mean that in a nice way. Do you worry about messing up your face fighting? Um. You know, I'm like 35, so I mean, if my modeling career was gonna take off, it probably would have already. Yeah. Um. So, and I've already been cut open maybe like one, two, three, four, five, like five, six times on my face. So, yeah. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion yeah. now. I've already fucked it up. So. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious because, um, you know, if you look at this right here, it, <laughs> I totally. I, that's why I don't fight. Is because Eddie, we, you, Eddie. Yeah. Eddie, yeah. I see you date models. You you date way out of your league. So uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's because every time I've ever dated a girl, every time, no matter even if she's not pretty, all I think to myself is, how did I trick this one? Because <laughs> well, because you're funnier than cats. No. <laughs> I, I mean, geez. <laughs> there's one right there. Uh, <laughs> one of the funniest gigs I did was me, you, and Theo Vaughn and Steve Hofstetter did a college. We did Penn State University. And the show was outside and you were on a flagpole doing comedy and there were crickets outside. And you go, this show's so bad, you could literally hear the crickets. Like, <laughs> like you, could actual, you could hear actual crickets. That I, that do, was you, so do you remember at that show there was a wedding going on <laughs> at the same time and I started heckling the wedding <laughs> from across? The, I was like, she shouldn't be wearing white. <laughs> oh, dude, your antics. I remember one time Steve Burns was on stage and there was five people at Stand Up New York, and you, and you came in, and he was his roommates, and they hated each other. And you came in with a newspaper and started reading the newspaper <laughs> while he was on stage. So he looks at the crowd, doesn't know it's you, and he goes, this is a great crowd. There's somebody reading a newspaper. <laughs> like, just to be a dick. And then one of the funniest things, we have a friend, Jay, uh, who Eddie had a bumper sticker and he, the guy lived in West Hollywood, which is a very gay area. And he bought a bumper sticker that said, honk if you support gay rights. And you put it on his car. No, so, he put it on my car. He oh, actually- on your car. So he, after I helped him move, he put it on my car and I'm very sensitive to, I don't know how to fight, but I pretend like I do. And uh, I have got a raging ego and uh, like, I don't like, I really hate honkers. It's like a pet peeve. And when people honk at me, I will get out of the car, walk back to them. Like if they honk at a red light to go, because I didn't go for one second, I will get out of my car, walk back to their car and go, is that Bill? Bill? 
And they're like, huh? I'm like, are you, Bi oh, I thought you were my friend Bill. I thought that's why you were honking at me. <laughs> I, I'll make it go for two or three red lights. Well, like four <laughs> start honking. And you're so going to get pepper sprayed one day. <laughs> I know it's probably going to happen. I was walking through West Hollywood or I was driving through West Hollywood with this bumper sticker on my car and it's West Hollywood. So everybody was honking. Like it was like honk for gay marriage or something before it was passed. <laughs> everybody was honking at me. And I'm like, why is everybody honking at me? So I'm leaning out of my like car window and I'm like, fuck you. Shut the fuck up. And I realized when I got home and saw it, I'm like, People must have thought I was like the most self-hating gay person. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I put this like pro-gay marriage sticker on. They're honking like, yeah, let's go. Gay rights. And I'm like, no, fuck. <laughs> like, you the shit. Ah! Dude, one time I was like, it was like Labor Day. And it was like 10 gay people, gay people in cars, like trying to like, and I passed everybody because I was late. And I was being an asshole. I illegally passed everybody and then just made like a far and then hit a car like right away. And I was like, fuck. So I get out of my car and I'm just like, and now there's like 10 gay cars and one by one, they curse me out. Like I'm just sitting there like my head down and someone's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. He goes, well, you look like shit and fucking snapped. And walked away. <laughs> it's like, they, yeah, they each had a fucking insult to me. I'm just like, Oh God. You gotta be so wait, I, have, I have more questions. Well, at least you so, made sure you're okay first <laughs> before he just shit all over you. <laughs> I, you have this impressive resume, and I and I'm gonna psychologically analyze you here. You are definitely not an overachiever. <laughs> you've achieved, you've achieved so much. I mean, that's to me that's tremendous. I haven't done shit, and uh, uh, you know, all I do is tell jokes, and every once in a while somebody goes, "Yeah, we'll pay you for it." Uh, you have done all these things does it come from like my being a comedian probably comes from insecurity some people it comes from like too much security uh where do you attribute that like incredible drive that you have to accomplish all these things um you know my childhood was like a dumpster fire like an absolute fucking shit show mm -hmm. um so i i would probably say that that's where I got my drive and motivation to like work hard because I you know I didn't really have anything to fall back on like you know I can't like call my mom and be like hey mom you know I fucked up can I have money for rent or groceries or whatever like there was like zero safety nets and um just having such a shitty childhood I'm like that's not for me like I'm gonna bust my ass and like not be a statistic this weekend's UFC 260 is a sure can't miss event every punch kick and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Look, if you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, set underneath the salary cap, and pile up points for advances takedowns and more there is no better way to put your mma knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes plus don't forget about basketball and hockey where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week DraftKings is safe secure and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience here's a call to action 
Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code ROASTED to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code ROASTED to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. I mean, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards. I mean, how cool is that? TV shows and reality TV, which I love to watch. They got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, the scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, huh? Don't be that guy or girl. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG. Take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code CLNS50 for your sign up bonus. Use the hashtag betonline. Wow. So that's like, that, I used to do a bit about that. Like people always talk about bad parents and I'm like, but bad parents sometimes make great people. Or serial killers. <laughs> or serial killers. It's a, it's a very, it's a very <laughs> thing, you know? I don't know, but like there's as many losers out there that had amazing parents that helicoptered them and gave them everything that create like just oxygen thieves in our world that we don't need. And then you get someone that comes from an abusive lifestyle and, you know, I, I, the bit I used to do was something about how, like, I'm going to be a bad parent, but someday when my kid's backstage at Madison Square Garden and, uh, you know, and he's, he's just played to a full house and he's, you know, a full, full arena full of people and his band, he's going to call me in, on the phone. He's like, Dad, thanks for never being there. Like, <laughs> like, like I wouldn't have had, the, I mean, there was a lot more to it about him having like a threesome with a monkfish or something like that. And yeah, the Led Zeppelin reference. They yeah. Had, yeah. Uh, no, I think, yeah, I think this I think it's a lot of it's whether or not you use to use your bad childhood which or bad parenting as a, as a crutch or an excuse I mean how many people are in rehab or this or that and they're like oh well my, and you hear their story you're like well of course they're you know heroin addicts of course they're this of course they're that look at the childhood and other people are like you know what like like Jin I had a fucked up childhood I'm not going to let that deter me and I'm going to achieve greatness so I, I think it, a well, lot I mean if are. we put things in perspective, I do punch people in a, in the face in a cage for a living. So I, I don't know if that is true. That's different. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> First of all, the, the fact that like we talked about how many fighters, female fighters that are only fans, you know, like Felice Herrig has a foot modeling fetish thing or, or she's on Wikipedia and then Paige Van Zandt. <laughs> Wikipedia. It's an actual thing. Rachel Ostovich. Uh, like all these, and to me, I understand, you know, women get paid what you want. To me, it is such, it is sad because nobody on the Lakers has an OnlyFans. Nobody on the Dodgers has an OnlyFans. And for what you guys do, having to learn jujitsu, 
wrestling, judo, striking, kickboxing, uh, which is striking, boxing, Muay Thai, and put it all together. And, and then lighting, like, and then lighting for pornography. You're lighting five, <laughs> I mean, you're, yeah, right. But you're, you're learning six sports. You're not learning one sport, you're learning six. So to me, that's so fucking hard. And then to be kind of underpaid or not paid what you deserve, uh, man, it, I, I'm not gonna say it breaks my heart because you know it breaks my heart. The kids are in cages and fucking on the border. But 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 I but I, I would like to see you guys people have not have to do that because I'm just like oh well. Jin, Jin, maybe you can answer this for me. You you've accomplished a lot, but here's here's my most important thing with people: Are you happy? Yeah. Okay. I, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm content with where I am in life, what I've done. Okay, then that's great. Because I think that's the most important factor. I think we so many times qualify people as successful by like how much money they've made or what they've accomplished. But I wish there was a way of calibrating, of like putting a metric on happiness. Because I think that should be the number one metric, not how successful is somebody, like how much money have they made? Or, you know, what did they accomplish? But exactly like, if there was like a one to a hundred and you're on a scale of like 93 for happiness, then to me, you're successful. And that okay. should be way more important because I know I've got tons of them, friends and people out there that have made millions and millions of dollars that are suicidal, miserable, you know, lost their family, everything because whatever it was. And I, a lot of times, especially in our business, in comedy, the more successful somebody is, usually the more unhappy they are. Yeah, the more alienated you sort of feel, like a disconnect with everyone else. Well, it, I think it's what drives them. I think that that pain is what drives them and because uh, it's, it's so necessary to get the dopamine drip to get them happy, um, mm -hmm. that they alienate everyone else and they look for all the wrong things and the things that make them happy. It's like, it's like a drug. It's like, you know, fame can be like that too. Like, like, like any kind of drug or alcohol. And so people use it and they become super successful, like a, just a raging addict. And, uh, and they use success to do it. Like somebody can be addicted to success. And in the process, you find out that they're just absolutely, like you look at someone like Owen Wilson, the top of his career slid his wrists. And, and uh, you're like, wait a minute, you've got everything, everything except for that Eddie, why are you lecturing us? <laughs> no, I'm. Thanks, thanks, Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, she just gave us. You want her fight last week? I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I meet so many like successful people, and uh, from podcasting and stuff. And you're incredibly successful, and to me, you've achieved so much. And I wonder, and you, and that's a great thing to say. You're happy, and you've achieved all this, and you then know, to I, go, I and I just childhood because that that's not common I would say that you might be onto something like I could see I could say that I'm kind of feel like I'm addicted to success because as soon as I accomplish something it's like um you know I won my first world title and I'm like oh this is awesome and then I'm, and then the next day I'm like all right well what's next like you know what I mean it's it wasn't like I even really enjoyed the moment it was kind of like okay well so I'm on to the next thing now um I think that's natural though. I think that part of it, I mean, just like that you can't be happy without getting to that next victory. Mm. You know, um, I was talking to another girl who, um, she's a 
world-class kickboxer and she was like I guess looking in I guess there was like a thing she was kind of researching into and they were talking psychologists were talking about how like Olympic athletes um and just like at like high level athletes across the board they all get like super depressed after after a win or anything after competing just because they get like they have no goals I guess to look forward to um and so she so she was telling me she's like whether I win or lose I always get super depressed like after my fights because it just feels like so empty like I've been working towards this goal and it's been consuming my life for the last two months and then now all of a sudden it's like I don't have anything to look forward to even though you know you're not retired she's like it's kind of a weird thing it's it's um it's a weird psychology like that goes with success and winning and so it's like even when she wins it's like she still gets depressed yeah I think that's he he might have sorry Adam no, I, I think that's, I think that's as a comic, I could, I could identify with that because like you think, oh, I'm going to get this show or that show and then you do it and then it's over. And then especially, then you wait for like, it's not only the show, it's what did I get after the show? Like, what did the show get me? Like, you, 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 you like do the, the, uh, the uh, Tonight Show or you do a special at a special on Fight Pass. Oh, great. But did that get me five more specials? And if it doesn't, then you feel like you didn't achieve anything. It was a failure, you know? So it's sort of that, like- That sounds like addict behavior to me. Yeah. And, and what I think is the, the solution to all this is a balanced life, which it sounds like Jin has, which is you have, you, you have your career and all of a sudden you accomplish something and some, nothing else is happening for a while. Well, you have your family to fall back on. You have your hobbies to fall back on. You have your other career, your other things, and you can focus on those things to fill your time and fill your, your mind space rather than this like, I'm not doing enough. I'm, I'm not succeeding. I need to succeed again. And I know some people that all they have is their complete obsession with that one thing. And I think that's why you, you got to have some balance. I mean, but the best people are usually, you know, you dog. Yes. You. How, many, how many, how many dogs do you have? I have Me? two. You have, you have two dogs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. And Eddie, you have two dogs too? Three. Three dogs. And how many kids do you have? Two, I wow. think. Crazy. When I met Eddie, he was just having sex with tons of playmates. He was, oh, I can't talk about that. Okay. When I met Eddie, he was, he was, uh, he was just such a nice, a nice guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now he's like, I don't know. It's just crazy. Anyway, Jen, we, I took up so much of your time. I can't thank you enough for doing the show. Uh, Keep her on. I don't know. If, I don't know if she wants to get, I just keeps looking at the dog. Uh, so, uh, but I can't thank you enough. What do you, who do you want to fight next? Um, I don't know. We, um, you know, I kind of just like, since the fight, just kind of relaxed, actually just kind of been catching up on like all the shit that piles up at the end of fight camp that I just don't have the energy or like mental, mental energy to deal with. So the last two weeks I've just been kind of been playing catch up on messages and work and like all kinds of shit. Um, so I really haven't had a chance to like sit down and meet with my coaches yet and discuss it. Um, I know my husband has a couple of ideas that he wants to pitch um, to me and safe and maybe we'll start, you know, discussing that. I don't know. It doesn't matter because I don't ever get call out. So he says to you, these three people you could fight and then you kind of choose it? Yeah, but it's, it doesn't matter because I don't ever call anybody out. So <laughs> Jen, let me ask you a question. I have zero fighting skills. You know, I like other than when I was a kid, I would fight all the time and just get, you know, with just no skill whatsoever. Hey, you know what? That doesn't mean anything because I never fought 
until I got like my first cage fight was like the first time I ever hit somebody. But you had skill, you had training, and that makes up for a lot of it. What I'm saying is I have zero training. Okay. How okay. fast, how fast would you beat me up if I tried to fight you? I mean, I guess it depends on how much I liked you. <laughs> okay. Like you want to destroy me. How fast am I gonna go down? Could you do it in like ten seconds? What would you do? Yeah. Would you go for a heel hook? Or would you? Would you? He's like. I, I mean, 20. if I didn't like him and I wanted to destroy him, I'd probably just kick him in the nuts. Because I mean, yeah. I mean, he, there aren't any rules, all right? He's two ten, two fifteen. No, no, no. We're in the ring. We're in the ring. You're not allowed to kick me in the nuts, right? Well, you always get one. <laughs> do you? <laughs> no, you don't. But yeah, okay, but he, that's a good question, though. All right, so Jen, he's like two ten, two fifteen. Uh, he's an athlete. He, he was a college track star before he got kicked out of college for embezzling uh, money. Um, so he's about 210, 215. You, you would fight him, right? Because there was a guy, an MMA guy I know, who, who talked about- 70. Did you just say I weigh 215? Right, there was a guy, right, <laughs> I was like, wow, he looks really thin on camera. Right, he does do CrossFit. He's got a six pack, he does CrossFit. He, he, he uh, surfs. What would I'm you old, do? Though. I'm old though. Like, I want to know. I mean- would, yeah, you him? would you would you leg kick him what would you do um yeah I might, I might leg kick him you know most people who aren't conditioned to take leg kicks like it's it's a pretty jarring horrible thing yeah i would cry I've kicked some, like i've kicked some drunk people and um like you know just normal people because they were being like like friends of my husband they were just being like lame asses and i leg kicked the shit out of some guy and like dropped him and i mean he was down for a minute so that would, that would, so a leg kick would drop me, like, and then I'd just be, I wouldn't be able to get up. Let me get back to the story a little bit. All right, so guys were at a bar, <laughs> all right, being drunk, and, and, they're, and they're like, oh, I bet your girl, your, I bet your wife couldn't kick me or something, like, couldn't knock me down. Is that how it went? Um, yeah, like, so there's this, like, one guy, and he just, he's, he's, he gets drunk, and he's, like, that guy, and he just, like, doesn't know when to stop, and I'm, like, I've kicked him and dropped him. I'm like, I've put his teeth through his lip. Like one night he was like, I was talking to somebody and he grabbed my hand and like hit me in my face, like with my own hand. And I was like, Hey, like quit your shit right now. Um, and then he's just drunk. And so I'm talking again, I'm moving my hands and he does it again. So then I just like rear back and I hit him and like hit him in the mouth and his teeth like went through his bottom lip. Like he like fell over in the bar. He like knocked over tables. It was like this big chaotic scene. Cause they like grabbed a table as he was falling. There's like drinks flying everywhere. Like it was a huge scene. Um, and then he gets up and there's blood everywhere. And I'm like, Oh shit, I'm about to get kicked out. But the bouncer was just like laughing and he was just like, Wait, whatever. It wasn't like, Oh, oh shit. Aggravating assault. So what, it wasn't, you didn't worry about you're going to get sued or you broke your hand. It was getting kicked out of the bar. was your biggest concern. Well, I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is when the Texas comes out. This is when the yeah, <laughs> this is the Amarillo, Texas coming out. <laughs> you from Amarillo? Yes. Oh, I've been there. There's a there's a strip Nothing. club. Nothing. <laughs> there that I met a girl with a C-section. Uh, on st a long story, but I went to the Big Texan. Let's change the story. I went to the Big Texan and tried to eat seventy-two ounce steak. Now, now oh, you recently switched. Not well. You recently switched camps, right? You switched camps. Yes. Yes, and, and that's and now, because before you were just with your husband in like a smaller camp? Yes. Now, when you went there, were, were girls trying to like, oh shit, she's the Invicta champion, she's the UFC champion, I, I want to test myself against you, were they kind of, you know, trying to alpha you? Um, no, everybody was like super cool at Fortis. Um, 
nobody was really trying that. Like if I ever go out to like other gyms, like for flow rolls or open mat, I feel like that happens a lot. Like, Oh, she was the Invicta champion or she's UFC fighter. Like let's see what she's got. Um, but you know, everybody at Fortis was super, super cool. How, how's the, uh, what, how, let me ask a question. I, I, I really am dying to, what would you say is your specialty in all your, uh, of the martial arts? Which one do you feel like you're best at? Um, you know, I started out striking, um, but I, I feel like I've worked really hard to become pretty well-rounded. Um, I've really taken a liking to wrestling. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm pretty well-rounded. It's so funny because but it feels good to hit people in the face. I don't know. People that start wrestling and wrestling college just want to throw strikes. And then people that had no wrestling are like, I love wrestling. Like that, like <laughs> it's fucking, it's just the opposite. It's like, I don't, you guys, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you guys heard. So I do come from a CrossFit background and I do a show called the Wadcast podcast all about CrossFit. And uh, I have like the top CrossFitters on. And it's funny because it's Rogan and I used to argue about it and he'd be like, my, my worst jujitsu guy will beat up your best CrossFitter. And I was like, that's probably true. Um, but uh, CrossFit is a thing where the average, the person that's the best at all of these different things wins, not the guy that'll win an event, but the guy that's average at all of them. So it's gymnastics, it's sprinting, it's Olympic weightlifting, it's powerlifting, it's all these different attributes in one. And so you could be the best at Olympic weightlifting, but if you don't know gymnastics, you're getting your ass kicked. And so the guy, the person that trains their weakness is usually the best. Anybody that focuses on weaknesses, and the number one guy in the world, Matt Fraser, was like that. Um, you know, he was an Olympic lifting guy, like an, on the Olympic, like Olympic training to be an Olympic weightlifter, but like really, really worked on his cardio and his running and became a good runner. And it sounds like you're kind of like that when you answered that question and you're like, I'm good at every, like, like the fact that you work on everything and it's not just like, Oh, I just do this all the time. Or I'm so good at, um, probably is why you're so good. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, you have to like the, the next generation of fighter is, is so crazy. It's like these kids, you know, I, I got a late start. I didn't start doing martial arts until I was like 23, but, um, you know, this next generation that's coming up, these kids are starting you know, boxing and wrestling and whatever. And they're like five and six years old and yeah, they're so, and they're, they're able to blend everything so seamlessly. Uh -huh. um, and so it's like, you have to adapt to be able to, to be able to compete. Like my last three fights, I've been at least a decade older than all these girls. And I'm like, dear God, like these young kids have so much energy, but I just got to get, I mean, I just got to get a hold of them because I got old lady strength. You do, well, no, you're jacked. Like, I don't think you must have like what five percent body fat, four percent. It gets pretty low by the by the end of camp. I mean, I mean, I don't see. I there's like you could see like what you ate. Like you could, it goes through. You're like holy. You're one of like you and Sarah McMahon probably have the most. I would say jacked, CrossFit type bodies where you're just like, you know, it's what 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 weight do you fight at? Um, one fifteen now. And I just, like last year I came up and before that um, I was fighting at 105 pounds. See, it's funny. The top CrossFitter, like you take someone like Matt Fraser, will not have a low body fat count content because it's, it's an endurance activity. And mm -hmm. in order for him to uh, kind of take that beating that he does, because it's just, it's just you're beating up on yourself. You're not beating up on another person. It helps to have a, some body fat there too. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you're just... Uh, you know, 
And I wonder that sometimes about you guys, like wrestlers and fighters, about like going to make weight so much that, you know, are, are you making it harder on yourself? It depends. Than it depends. I mean, I think it's just the person because you'll see fighters that look like, like roll, like a Kelvin Gastelum will have like an extra, you're like, man, this guy could be 20 pounds lighter and he never gets tired. And then you'll see someone like Jin who never gets tired. But right. then somebody who has Jin's body type who gets tired in one round. Right. And somebody with Kelvin's body type is one round. I just think it's like how you, you eat, but also how you've been training your entire life. And some people I just think are born with better cardio. I hate well, well, let me, let me, this is coming from like a nutrition background. Like I, I, I nerd out on nutrition and stuff. Do you, when you're dieting for this, are you cutting carbs a lot or are you still taking in a lot of carbs? Because the bottom line is you're not going to be able to compete like at your best from all the best top nutritionists that I've talked to with like doing a fat adaptive diet. Like if you're, if you're just trying to go like keto and try, it'll, it's good for losing, losing body fat, but for performance, it's tough. And I'm curious if you're able to do that because you have such low body fat. So, um, now at 115, like I really don't even have to do much dieting. Like I'm so like, um, you know, on fight night, um, they have us weigh before we go to the event center and I'm only like 125 pounds. Like I really don't have to cut weight to make 115. Now, when I was cutting to 105, like that was a very, very significant cut and we were cutting carbs quite a bit. Like I didn't cut it out completely because like you said, you just, you can't, you can't you know, perform like you need to without carbs. So I would save my carbs to right before my training sessions and like right after. And then, right. you know, if I'm doing like light cardio work or I'm doing just drilling, then, you know, I'm not doing any carbs at all. But for like the high intensity training sessions, it's like all the carbs that I get for that day, I would save for that training session. Um, how did your, how did your husband adapt to you going to a bigger gym? I know he was your head coach. I think he's still your head coach, but did he, did he have to take us kind of a back, a back seat at all? Um, yeah, like he, he, um, so when I went to Fortis, like really, I, I didn't have the bodies that I needed, um, with, with his gym and like, we were at Genesis and that was great. And then he and, um, some of the owners kind of had a falling out. And so we left there and he kind of started his own program and I just didn't have the bodies that I needed. And while I've been over at Fortis, you know, that's given him time to really focus on like building his own program, but everybody over there is just so new that I just didn't have um, the level of competition that I needed to get ready for fights, um, to be fighting in the UFC. So um, mainly that's why I went over to Fortis and safe is like, he's a really great motivator. He knows how to like, he just, he knows how to speak to you to reach you. And he's got a, he's got, he's great for strategy and he's got a good overall, like broad vision for the game. Um, and then like a lot of times, you know, during my rounds, I might be getting stuck somewhere. I'm getting caught with this a lot. So then I would like bring that home and me and Douglas would hush, hash that out. So it's like all the like small, minute technical work um, I'll do with Douglas. And then whenever I go to Fortis, it's putting everything together. That's great. That, I mean, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> a lot of times I know like with Matt Sarah, he had an issue with like Aljamain went over to Vegas and then he, he didn't want to be like the third guy in the corner. And a lot mm -hmm. of times, husband, a lot of times trainers are like, they, and I know as a coach, I would coach middle school wrestling, but I'm yelling something. If I have the assistant coach yelling something else, I have to turn around and be like, Hey, we got to have one coach because we're yelling different things. And it's just confusing the athlete, you know? Um, yeah. We, we hashed that out like before, before fight night and we had everything worked out. It worked, you know, really smooth. And actually it, it worked better for me because, um, 
you know, sometimes it's hard taking direction from my husband. Sometimes I just want to be like, shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to not take some things personal and like, especially like towards the end of camp where I'm getting worn out, I'm tired. I'm a little edgy. I'm a little irritated. I'm a little stressed out. And so when he's like just yelling, you know, instruction at me, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Can't you see I'm fucking trying to do it? You know what I mean? And so it actually kind of helped to have safe there. Cause obviously, you know, I don't have any kind of like personal intimate connection with safe. So he can yell at me without me getting offended. You know what I mean? And so like, whereas when safe's telling me, it's like, okay, I can listen to this. I can take this instruction. When my husband's yelling at me, I'm just getting defensive. <laughs> I so, always wonder that. Oh my God. Last week, Eddie, like the husband and wife fought on the same card and the husband got knocked out right away. And then he had to go corner the wife and then she got fucked up. Like, and it was just like, oh my God. And I, I, I'm like, that's a rough night. I was like, I guess if you both lose, it's kind of better than one. I think- I think both losing is better than one of them losing. Yeah. <laughs> one of them winning. Right? Because, you know, they, they actually train at Fortis. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty mentally strong. I think they're going to be okay. You know, they've, they've also had nights where they both fought and won. So I'm sure that that's, like, you know, that's awesome, too. And to be able to, like, share that with your significant other is great. Um, you know, last weekend was super unfortunate for them. Um, they'll be all right. I like Cheyenne a lot. I had her on the show. She comes to my comedy show. She's awesome. She like Eddie. This girl like got kicked out of school for beating up six boys at the same time. Like she's just like a little fucking fire plug. I but think I, I know her. That, you got to help with that head and arm. That girl's a good wrestler, and I understand. But you got. I got. Can I tell a story right now? I got to tell a little story. I got beat up by. I, hold on. I got beat up by a girl in high school. Eddie, Eddie hold on. Evan, talk for a second. Uh, Jen, am I, am I right? Is about helping her with the head and arm? Yeah, I just, you know, I think maybe, sh- to be honest, like when I see people do that head and arm, especially in women's MMA, I'm like, oh, it's that head and arm. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, not, not being in her shoes, not knowing exactly how it felt and what the pressure felt like. Like I was a little surprised that she struggled with it so much, but you know, um, you know, my husband told me that he went back and watched some film on Montserrat. And I guess she does that all the time. And yeah. so, you know, she's probably become like a specialist with that one move to where she's able to, you know, she's so heavy with it. She's so tight with it. She's able to have success with it. Because um, honestly, when I see people do that in MMA fights, I'm like, oh, like, you know, I kind of roll my eyes like, oh, my God, there's the head, there's the head and arm throw yeah. or there's the headlock throw. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that, you know, maybe Cheyenne just kind of underestimated like how how tight that position is like how difficult it is mexican champion if you're a four-time national champion in a wrestling you got a good head and arm you have good pressure yeah so uh, eddie what were you what were you saying sorry well i i didn't know what a head and arm was i was like is that like the equivalent of like doing a schwarzenegger impression in comedy is it, <laughs> is it like, yes is it like khaki it's okay it's basically you basically put a putty in a schoolyard headlock and just throw them on the ground right that's essentially what you're doing and it's like what you don't teach kids that because they'll do it every single time but for some reason like in the beginning women's mma wasn't as evolved as men's mma so you saw a lot more of that okay but yeah that's i'm not gonna lie to you that's my go-to move in fighting so (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely a schoolyard move sometimes (laughs) all i have that's all i have that and i tell them that i'm uh gonna roll in the fetal position and pee all over myself no, didn't uh, that, you also do the waka waka uh, with your, your penis where you flip back and forth? He said you, I've done so many things to get out of fights. 
I ripped my shirt. I told the story on Rogan once about how I ripped my shirt off in a parking lot and told somebody I was a pro MMA fighter, two guys that were jumping me. And I'm like, I'm going to break your jaw. And I go, and then, or no, I said to the one guy, I'm going to knock you out one fucking punch. And then you, and I point at the other guy, I go, you, I go, you're losing all your teeth tonight. And they, they then tried to call the police and said I was on cocaine. I take your penis and flap it back and forth because nobody wants to fight a guy like that. Yeah, nobody fights a naked man. I've gotten naked. To- <laughs> um, so anyways, what I was saying was I got beat up in high school once by a girl named, uh, I got beat up by Howard Stern's wife, who is a friend of mine now. That's another story. That was fifth grade. But um, I got beat up by uh, this woman, woman, girl named Patty Dudas. Because in gym class, I beat up her brother. And she was like the biggest burnout in our school. And her brother was just like a total douche. And I beat him up in gym class. And then everybody's like, Patty Dudas is looking for you. And <laughs> like, yes, yeah, so what? And, uh, and she was like one of those girls that came to school like twice a week. You know, she was smoking menthols, dating a Vietnam vet, had a Trans Am. She comes down the hall and the whole... Um, and she's just looking for me and I was like what are you gonna do and she walked right up to me and just punched me right in the face and um and I couldn't fight back because it was a girl so I just let her beat me up in front of the whole school she must have hit me 50 times in the face and I just am am I still uh can you see me you're good you're good good. Jim do you ever get that because I get girls sometimes tell me guys come to train who are kind of like 150 and under so they're all already kind of angry and shorter and then they put them with the girls and they get a girl like you who's then submits them in jujitsu and a lot of them get really angry and then try to like overstrength you do muscle moves which could lead to injuries uh it happened with heather joe clark where she was beating up a guy and he just fucking cracked her and like concussed her because she he was mad he was losing has that ever happened with you yeah, you, you, I, the older I get, like when I was younger, it used to be like a pride thing. Like I'm never turning anybody down, like whatever. Like the older I get, I'm like, eh. You know, if I, if I don't know you and I don't trust you, I'm like, nah, I'm, I'll miss this one out or, or whatever. Because I've definitely had, um, definitely had those rounds. And um, I get like, I'm a pretty even kill person, but I have a bit of a temper when I start to fight. And when I get cracked good, then I'm like, all right, we're, we're fucking throwing down. So, when- um when you're training, are you training at like a certain percentage? Like when you're fighting like 85, 90%, like trying to hold back a little because you don't want to go all out? Like when oh, I, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's how it was when I ran track. And, um, you know, like even like college level, you're never, ever in practice going over like 85, 90, because you don't want a full sprint because you're going to tear a hamstring or something like that. And it was the same way with going for like, training with people i'd go okay we're gonna do we might do like eight 100s or say we're gonna do like six 400s or whatever we're gonna do at a workout we set the percentage and then you get some dick that pushes it and you're like and then it becomes an ego thing and you start pushing it and then the next thing you know you're injured mm-hmm. and there there always has to be this like we're not trying to win these these are training runs yeah, and wrestling, wrestling you always go 100 percent but that but you're not breaking people's arms the problem with jujitsu is like you're just getting taken down you can get hurt but it's not like jujitsu where like somebody's torquing on your leg going for an ankle lock and doesn't the other guy doesn't tap quick enough 
and next you know you got an ACL injury or your your knees fucked up. You know, the it's it's a whole different sport. It, like I give you a lot of credit, but I'm telling you, Fortis is becoming the big one. It's becoming yeah. The there's there's a lot of talent out on that map. How's Lauren doing, Murphy? Uh, I don't know. She doesn't train there. She left. I don't think she was ever there. She's in Houston. Oh, I thought she with was... like Main Main Street Boxing, maybe like Bob Perez. All right. I mean, I think she's good according to her Instagram. All right, so this. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, so next. All right, tomorrow night, uh, another fight before we uh, two other fights for, before we. Uh, so uh, Tyron Woodley versus Vicente Luque. Who wins this fight? I didn't even know that fight was going down. Um, oh gosh, I like Vicente Luque a lot. I like, I like how he fights. I'm like, is Tyron Woodley done though? I don't know. I'm going with Vicente Luque. I like him. I hope Tyron wins. I do. It's just, he needs to win. All right. And finally, O'Malley versus Almeida. So basically, Sean O'Malley, Eddie, is this kid that has like crazy hair, like rainbow hair. He looks like a, like, I used to call him Screech. Uh, <laughs> he looks like Screech from Saved by the Bell with an afro, but he had like McGregor tattoos. And he does crazy kicks, like, like triple Linden just the craziest shit you've ever seen. And he's a big, like, like Twitch guy, and he smokes all kinds of weed, and Snoop Dogg liked him. And all of a sudden, he was getting all kinds of heat, but everybody hated him because he was surpassing everybody because of his whole, like, there was nothing like him out there. Well, he lost. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the black guy. Well, he, I, 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 well, he lost his, there was no black guy in this fight. He lost his last <laughs> fight because he didn't, check, for the black he guy. doesn't believe in checking leg kicks. He's just one of those guys I don't understand it, but they just want to just hop in and out. So he's sort of like his leg got completely fucked up, but sort of accidental. I mean, it, anyway, so he's making his comeback. He's fighting Almeida, who was the man. This dude was the man, and then he's lost two out of three fights. Jin, who wins this fight? Uh, I think I'm going with O'Malley. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm buying into the hype. I'm buying into the crazy hair. I'm still going with the black guy. Well, I guess Brazilian is because that's, that's closer. Uh, and then the Jessica Penny. Tyron Woodley, thanks you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go with Woodley. Well, listen, Jen, where can people follow you? Um, Instagram. I, I'm really only active on Instagram. So. But do you have a name on it? Or do I have to fuck on Instagram? Oh, <laughs> Jen Ufray. Jen Ufray on Instagram. Thank you so much. Uh, can't wait for your next Thanks for having me. Thanks for, yeah, thanks, for thanks for answering my dumb questions. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Have a, have a great weekend. You too. Bye. All right. That was the Euphray. She's awesome. She's, She's very nice. It's funny. When, these fighters, I never expect them to be like they are. And every time they, they always, you know, you just expect them to be like, like you know, somebody, somebody who likes fighting. I think it's really like Ronnie from Jersey Shore or something. Yes, yes. And never, never. Like that's one well, that's the thing. It's like in order to get to that level, like a guy like Ronnie from Jersey Shore, maybe one or two will break through, but most of them get to a level where like they get like a pro or two fight, they lose, they realize this it's like almost it's almost like uh I wouldn't say comedy is a good example because but you have to be so fucking disciplined and so smart and you, yeah. you really have to kind of have your life together. Yeah. Yeah, uh, to a certain extent, because you have to show up every day to train twice. That's 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 getting to be every sport and everything because in life, everybody has access. So you can't just rely on talent anymore. You, there's so much more to it, and so I think the bar has the 
bar and progression has been raised in everything. That's why I like something like sprinting because that comes down to like, you can get faster and you can work at it and you can, but not much like, you know, like a guy that runs a really fast kid's going to come out of high school and run a 10, 800, 10, seven, maybe 10, six. And then if they become an Olympian and become the best, they're going to run like 10 or they're going to run like nine, nine. And so over that time, it's like, you see it, there's not much more than that the track coach can do that much with them. And there's not much like studying or extracurricular shit or other, th- it's just pure raw speed. And I love it. I love to watch the hundred, even better, the 55 meter dash. Well, I just love that. Like, you know, like in our business, I, I can't, I'm not to be like the bitter guy, but there's been a couple of showcases that I've had where I was clearly had the best set of the night to the point where people that were there told the booker, you got to pick Adam, pick Adam, pick Adam. And all of a sudden I didn't get picked because you, the, the management company that was producing the TV show picked the guy they were managing. And then by the time it gets on TV, no one gives a fuck. No one knows what happened. Right. Uh, yeah. Whereas fighting and sprinting uh, and actual, the actual art form of being on stage, you, you'll get the most laughs. The crowd will like you the most sprinting. It doesn't matter if your cousin's the mayor. Okay. Yeah. You know, if you, if you come in first place, you yeah. come in first place, you know, there doesn't they don't need not to shit on diversity but they're not going to pick a fucking well we have to pick a, a, a gay whatever we have to pick one guy the olympic team isn't made up of diversity it's you have that funny joke i've always told people that joke about if we're gonna have affirmative action the lakers should have three white guys you know something yeah, like yeah. that um right. I, I always love that joke cause, and i use it to make a point to people when they talk about uh, diversity or this or that a uh, diversity to me is, and this is coming from a white man. So people can go, Oh, easy for you to say. Um, I believe it's opportunism. Like people, when it comes to identity politics, people that are shitty are trying to get a leg up by using it. Because when I started comedy, the best comedians, I'm, I mean, when I was a kid and I loved comedy, it was Lily Tomlin, Joan Rivers, Cheech and Chong, Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby, Eddie Murphy, um, you had, uh, Steve Martin of those, my favorite, only one was a white man. And it never, it was never an issue what their race or sex or gender was. It was always, they're funny. And it didn't, it never came into the equation of like, oh yeah, he's a black guy and he tells black jokes or he's an Asian woman. You know, she tells it from the Asian woman perspective. It was like, if you're funny, you're funny. And I never cared. And so what I truly believe is that people that suck use this shit to get stuff. And so they're using it in an opportunistic fashion. And at the end of the day, when I hear white guys bitch and they're like, oh, I can't get jobs because I'm a white male. I'm like, really? Is it hurting Bill Burr? Is it hurting Jim Gaffigan? Is it hurting Daniel Tosh? It, it's, it, and the crowd doesn't care. And, I, and, I, and just and shut up and work harder. Yeah. Work harder. I mean, like my whole thing is everyone's like, then how do you tell so many jokes? I'm like, because I want, I figured out that whoever gets the most laughs is usually the funniest on stage. Yeah, and you know what? Hollywood playing that game of gender and identity politics, they play the game a lot. So much so that I've just backed off and gone, I'm not going to work in your system anymore because you don't want me in it. So, and I believe that's where even the biggest names are going. And, and there's a few people that'll play their game in Hollywood and this and that, a, a, a smaller group than used to. but 
for the most part, everyone just leaves and goes and does their own thing. And everyone, it's like, I'm right now working with a production company on a show and there's talk of like, well, do we do this show with the network or do we do it on YouTube and get better viewers, more viewers, make more money eventually like that. And we don't have to play their game that they're always going, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And it's like, so they're just dumbing it all down. And when I mean dumbing it down, it's like, if you're not using the best people, you're making a shittier product. So, um, I've hired a lot of people for my comedy shows or my podcasts. I've never once considered their race or set. I just go, Hey, get me the funniest person. And they tend to be all different races, all different sexes, all different, but I've never played. I've had people say to me, I did a show one night that was my friends that surf for a surfing charity. My friends that I surf with, to raise money for a surfing charity at the comedy store, sold out show. I can't tell you how many calls. Why are there no women on your show? And I said, cause these are my friends that I surf with that do comedy that are good at comedy too. So that was like, you find, they go, there are girls that surf. And I go, are they good at comedy? And they go, why does that matter? I go, because, and I'd be like, okay. They'd go, she's good at comedy. I go, is she my friend? And they'd be like, are you friends? I'm like, yeah, I know her. Why don't you put her? I go, does she surf with us? This is my crew of friends that we, we decided to raise money for a charity and you're trying to break that down. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's gotten ridiculous. And I heard Burr say, and it was really funny. She's like, just ignore it. Just fucking ignore everyone when they try to, just go shut up and don't listen to them and to go do your thing. That's what I've been doing. Honestly, like I stopped caring about like, even when, even with my podcast, everyone's like, dude, I love this show. Why isn't it bigger? I'm like, bro, I, I don't know. Man. Like I, if you like the show, watch it. If you don't watch it, I'm putting it you out ever there. Said that to bands? Have you ever said to a band that you like their music? Why aren't you bigger? Just enjoy their fucking music. Like, you know what I, like I don't, I don't care. Like, I, I, I don't, it's like, what do you want from me? I'm putting out a show. If you want to watch it, tell your friends about it. Help make it bigger. Like, what the fuck? You I have? like. I have a kid. I just bought a new house. I have a house. I have a kid. I have a family. Don't ever, a don't ever worry about that. There's, there, there's a band I like called Old Man Markley. And probably no one out there has heard of them. And I love Old Man Markley. In fact, I don't even think they're together anymore. But if Old Man Markley became big and were playing Saturday Night Live and they were getting a Grammy and blah, blah, blah. I probably wouldn't like them anymore. So, so the truth is, I like where I am. I like what I do. I like that nobody has any say in what I do. Exactly. And exactly. And it's nice. Hundred percent. By the way, so I, I a couple of things I want to talk about. All right. So I'm I'm in Arizona this week doing the House of Comedy. I love this. Oh club. yeah, the best. Love this club. I've had like nine, nine comics that I've never talked to ever hit me up going, "Can I do a guest spot?" And, I, and I'm just like, it's, it's one thing if like you've done something for me in my life or if I've ever, if I've ever talked to you before or like if we've ever had, but I'm like, and I'm always like, I don't book it, the club does, right? So I kind of push it on the club because I know that like, but uh, that's annoying. You know, I, I don't yeah, do Okay, okay, hold on. I'm going to have you think about it in a different way. Remember when you were starting and how desperate you were for stage time? I never remember headliner spot shows. I, I hit up no. the, I hit up the club. I hit up right, the club. right. Yeah, that's that's probably true. 
Um, I would have probably murdered someone for stage time. That's how like badly I wanted to be on stage and I would try anything. And, and I didn't know that you could actually ask a headliner. I used to work with a tell a little bit and I used to watch a tell, let anybody jump on a show. I let anybody on my show, as long as they're nice and polite and do their time. If they go over, then I will go. You're a piece of shit. The person that could be fucking loud. They could be I can just do crowd work for five minutes. But, but what I do, what here's here's how I end. A lot of times they leave before I go on. They go, thanks, man, and don't even stay for me, which is fine. But it's like, bro, like. Here, here, here's here's how I feel about that. Um, they're not going to end up being my opener with that kind of mentality. However, I just did them a favor. It's a nice thing that I can do for them. I'm not going to let them ruin my show. Like they're not doing a 35 minutes or 45 minutes. And if they do, and I had it done in Oregon and do you know, Johnny Mitchell? Yeah. Johnny Mitchell was featuring for me. I like that guy. And, and uh, this guy asked to do a guest spot. He asked the club. He didn't ask me. And the club then asked me and I said, yeah, let him go ahead. And he was told to do five minutes and he ended up doing 20 minutes. And I didn't say anything to him, but I was backstage and I was mad. And I was talking about like, how this is rude. Johnny Mitchell goes up to him and goes, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> he's like, who the fuck do you think you are? And it's like, he's my henchman then. And he goes and yells at this guy. And then he tells me afterwards, I'm like, don't yell at the guy. And he's like, I'm like, I'll just never let the guy ever work with me again. He no, burned I, a bridge. I understand. It's just a little bit like, like Camilla Cleese is a friend of mine. So she asked to go on. I'm like, like, I know Camilla, but then like four other comics hit me up, you know, and then it's like, I'm not getting 35 minutes of fucking guest bets out. It's just like the crowd's going to be tired. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I get it. I understand. It's just sometimes it's like, and there are people that I've ne- I, I know that they, hit, I don't know. I, as I, long as they don't, as long as they don't expire the show for me, what I mean is like. I do the dime bar. I do the dime bar. I, I give people 20 spots a week. I give out 20 comic spots a week. I book a new show in Orange County, I give out spots. I book my Zoom show, I give out spots. But it's different when you're headlining and people are paying money to see you. I know, but here's my thing. If it doesn't infringe on, I want to go on stage at at the latest 45 minutes into the show. At the very, very latest. My time too. They're going to go, the first show has to end by this. The five minutes they're going to take from me. I said, I'm going to do five minutes less. For a guy that doesn't, I'm never going to talk. No, about I won't. I, 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 no, what I'm saying is I won't do any less. I'll say, you know, the opener, the fee, you can dwindle all that time. Right. I'm still going to do my time. And I want to go on stage at this time. If you want to put a hundred people on before me and they're each doing 20 seconds each, that's fine. I get but, it. I understand. I'm going on at this time and I'm doing this much time. That's all I say. And anyone can go on my show. I don't care. I hear you. Uh, so like, I, I, I did Godfrey's live last night and I was, uh, have you ever done Godfrey's live? No, I, I'm always on in the comments going boo, oh. boo. And then he goes, he makes all of them because his fans like love him. They all attack me. <laughs> oh my God, dude. He, uh, we were talking about like bad dates and like, uh, and this crazy women. Like, uh, and I talked about this one girl I took home from a comedy club. I met her. She had like tatted up, blonde girl, pretty. And we're hooking up and she goes, hey, you could punch me. Oh. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. She's like, no, I like it when guys punch me and give me black eyes during sex. So I was like, well, I'll give you a noogie. 
you know, but I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not going to punch you in the face, you know. Uh, I, I did it. He's like Mayhem, who's now in jail, my old podcast host, uh, who's in jail now. Um, he had a girl. He he would get girls like. Remember when I was egging him on in my podcast, <laughs> tell him to come to my house. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, his uh, Mayhem uh, had a girl that wanted him to, to like drown her during sex, so he would have sex with her over the bathtub. And then like put her head in the water. And then he said one time she like almost, he had to like give her mouth to mouth. Like he had to like regurgitate her. Uh, Cause like, what, I, I just think the internet, it's too much. Like, yeah. like, I mean, did you ever have girls like that that wanted you to punch? Well, I had a buddy say that to me. He's like, look, you know, I understand the Me Too movement and women being sexually harassed and assaulted and that's wrong. He goes, but you gotta understand there's girls out there. He goes like, when I have sex with a girl and they leave my place, it looks like they went 12 rounds with Tyson. <laughs> He goes, these girls ask for it and that's what they're into. And so like, you know, like there's a whole spectrum of shit out there. There's yeah. people that are into weird, 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 weird. I've, we've all gone to those dark corners of the internet. We've seen people breaking bottles in their assholes. We've seen the shit that is just. I don't know a guy that went to a party where girls were getting stapled on their head. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so weird. And I've. I hooked up with a bondage model once and she was showing me videos of her and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I had a girl one time I was having sex with and in the middle of it, she smacked me in the face. Like just, she kept going, fuck me harder, fuck me harder. And I'm like, I'm fucking you as hard as I can. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm on bottom. Cause that's what I am. I'm a power bottom. She just cranks me across the face and thinking it's going to like make it hot. And I go like this, I go, okay, you have to leave. <laughs> I go, you're done. You're out. And I like took her off. I took her off and I went, time to go home. Time to go home. Get your stuff. You're out of here. And no she was, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, that's like weird. And that's, I'm not gonna. And so she broke down crying, telling me about her past and her you know the sexual abuse that she had had and and that blah 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 and that she, then the next thing i know i become her counselor and the girls like we didn't have sex anymore but she would call me and tell me about how she became a prostitute and all this stuff and i was just like oh it was crazy so i dude this is the craziest story i counseled this girl into like she wouldn't talk to her therapist and tell him about how she was like a craigslist prostitute and then she ended up meeting this guy. She fell in love with him. She wanted to marry him, but she was afraid to tell him what about her past and blah, blah. And I like talked her into doing it and like didn't hear from her for like two years. And then she calls me. She goes, I'm pregnant. We're married. He knows everything. We're so in love. I have you to thank. And I was like, oh, my oh. God. Like it, it just a really happy ending. Good. 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 It was a really, really happy ending, but I still pissed off that she cranked me in the face. Of course. Did you, um, that's hilarious though. Is that, that's. And she, she squirted all over my bed and ruined my mattress. Squirted on your bed? Yeah. Let ruin my mattress. Ruined it. I, I, I've never had a squirter in my life. Uh, although one of the worst things was like my ex, I went down on her and something tasted funny. And I was like. She bled. I go, do you have a yeast infection? She, uh. she goes, do I? <laughs> I'm like, what am I, a fucking taste tester? Like, why would I be the the guy who knows, like, that's, like, how would I know that? Like, I had, I had Bonnie Rotten on my podcast a lot, and I love Bonnie to death. She's one of the funniest, nicest people in the world. And Bonnie said to me, uh, I said, uh, 
So what is that squirting? Because I said, what's the worst thing you've ever done? You know, sexually. And she goes, uh, I squirted on the Bible once. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I was like, that squirting thing. Uh, I think it was, um, who's the comic that asked her? It's like what this. The Bible? He, he, this comic said to her, what is that squirting thing that you do? And she's like, he's like, how do you do that? She's like, um, I just pee on guys. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, everybody thinks it's like we're squirting. because I'm just peeing on them. <laughs> You may have told another story about a girl who I know. Who I Wait, you talk to him? In jail. He calls me from jail. <laughs> I have to pay for it. It's fine. Like, he called into the podcast from jail. But, yeah. Don't mention my name. Because do you remember when I had my, like, 24-hour long podcast and you were on it? Um, I don't remember the mayhem part. I don't think I was on that part. He was on the loose. Like, they were trying to track him down. He had just beaten oh, yeah. up his girlfriend or something. War Machine or Mayhem? Oh, War Machine is who I'm talking oh, about. War Machine's in jail for life. Yeah, he's the one I was taunting. Oh, yeah, no. The police, the police were trying to track him down, and I kept saying, come here, I dare you. We will, we will all fight you if you want to fight, or whatever you want to do. And then I was like, we're just going to call the police as soon as he gets. Like, that would not and, he came. He went to a porn party one time. He was a porn star, and he wasn't getting booked. So he beat up the entire agency, his porn agency. Like that's not the way to get booked, you know. And like, and I, 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 know, I know the girl that had to calm him down. She was like the war machine whisperer. She had to like fucking. Was that Chris? Was that the girl he beat up? No, no, Chrissy. No, no, that was a different girl. I knew the girl that I was the war machine. Nikki Hunter was the one that calmed him down. I watch videos later after that happened and his girlfriend, what's her name? Chrissy Mack. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was like saying in videos, he's going to kill me someday. That's what's going to happen. Like, don't feel bad for me. Yeah, that was, to I mean, talk about toxic. He was, he was, uh, I don't know, man. What did he do? We had, a, we had a dude like that in our high school. Not, not fighting, not that maniacal. He's in prison now. But I had a couple guys in high school that were just like, and, and I went to like a fairly wealthy high school, but there were some like bad neighborhoods around us. So like we all got grouped together. It was kind of eclectic, but this one kid, I kind of liked him. I don't want to say his name. He's in jail now, but he and I had to go, I'd, I got kicked out. Like I went to high school, but I had to go to high school after high school. Like right. I, got, I went to night school with like adults trying to get their GED because I got kicked out of so many classes. So he went with me and the very first day he picked me up in his truck. We, I was showing him how to get there because we had to go to another school district. And I'm like, you go straight, then you make a right here. Instead of going straight and making a right, he just went through the backyards of all these houses, <laughs> just drove, drove right through. And then we would have a break during class because we had to go to school for like three hours at night. And at like an hour and a half, we'd get a break and we'd go down to the convenience store, the gas station. And he would drive us down. It was just down the road. And we'd drive down, get some candy and a drink and go back. Well, he would just go in and steal everything in the store. And the like Middle Eastern guys that worked at the convenience store were like, hello, my friend, my friend, oh, I saw you put that down. And he would go, fuck you, shut the fuck up. And he's like, I'll kill you. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to pay for mine. <laughs> I will pay for his. And he's like, you're not paying for mine. And I'm like, oh, here, take the extra, you know, and it was like my high school money. I'm like, here you go. So. He, he and a bunch of, uh, two of his buddies went, like some guy from the private school had sex with his girlfriend. 
They drove over, like went in the cafeteria of the private school and just like beat everybody up. And then they drove out of like, you know, it's one of those prestigious private schools it's called Shady Side Academy. It's this like long lawn with like a long driveway. The one guy sat on the back of the truck to block the license plate. <laughs> and they drove out just like, we just beat you all up and drove out. And uh, another friend of mine went over to that private school one day and just did donuts in the lawn, just in the middle of the day during school and just turfed their entire lawn. <laughs> then drove back to his house where he was having a keg party and the cops show up and there's dirt and grass all over his truck. And the cops were like, uh, you know, we, and he's like, come in, we need a warrant. They're like, we don't need a warrant. There's grass and mud all over your car. Everyone saw you. We have probable cause, but, um, yeah, that guy, uh, that guy who beat the kids up in the cafeteria, he drove through, I'll tell you after the show his name and just Google him and read all the stories. He drove through, like, there's a place called Trillium trail where I lived. And it's like, it's beautiful. The Heinzes live there, the Heinz ketchup. Yeah. And John Kerry and Teresa Hines live there. And they have this like area that's probably like three miles through and uh, all this trillium, which is this beautiful flower that grows. And there's tons of deer there and everything. He drove through there with a gun, just shooting turkeys, <laughs> just shooting live turkeys. Come here, bud. And um, he well, shot all these live turkeys. But I could picture you like egging them on for some reason. I could. Picture- when I was younger, I did as like, once I went off to college, I, I cut ties because it was like, it wasn't funny anymore. It was scary to be around. And he ended up getting involved in heroin and getting chased over this bridge and throwing heroin off the bridge into the river, but it landed on the side of the river. So, (laughs) but then he, he hit somebody in a hit and run and killed them. And uh, that he got out of jail after the hit and run. And then, and then it was the heroin thing. And I'm pretty sure he's in for a long time, but I don't even like to say his name because I said one guy's name on Rogan and everyone in my high school was like, are you a maniac? I told the story about the guy that had the, had the uh, horse fucking farm in Washington. He went to my high school. Wow. That famous story about the horse, the the arrest and everything. That guy was one grade older than me in high school. Wow. And I would never talk about him, but he died a month ago. So I have no problem talking about Doug Spink. (laughs) I was so scared after I talked about him on Rogan because my friends are like, you know, he's an evil genius. Like he, he was an internet millionaire back in the nineties. He had like some tech thing. He made VPNs, you know, virtual proxy networks. And then uh, he lost all his money. Then he got caught bringing $50 million worth of cocaine over the border from Canada to the United States through this trail. That's like, like really hard. Then the FBI found him on there. And he's, you know, he's like an outdoorsman. So he's like really good at this shit. Then we don't hear about him for years. Everybody's like, oh, they're going to kill him in prison because he turned state's evidence. Then the next thing you know, he's on the cover of USA Today for owning a horse fucking farm. where a bestiality farm where people are flying in from all over the world to fuck animals. And they're finding like, they found like mice with Vaseline on them with their tails cut off and, and strings, uh, strings around them. Oh, it was like... If you read about it, it's crazy. So, so I talk about him on Rogan. Everybody thinks I'm lying on Rogan. And I'm like, Google it, fuck. Like, I'm writing in the YouTube comments on Rogan's page. Google it, fuck face. Like, 
All you have to do is look at where I went to high school, where he went to high school. You'll see it's true. I lie about that too. Like, I know, I know, but I, people think I lie a lot. I think it's because I give a lot of details. Anyway, so the guy, I said, my friends are like, you're an idiot. Why would you talk about him? He'll like come get you. You know, he said, gone after his mom with a gun. Long story short, that day, I see this really weird Twitter follow. Oh, and no. so I click it to see what it is. And uh, sure enough, it's him. Oh. And, I'm, and I'm like, oh, fuck. He's following me now on Twitter. And I was just like, why did I? It's funny. I went to when, when uh, Tiger King came out. Yeah. A buddy of mine who's a big Hollywood producer who produces documentaries was like, hey, do you have any good ideas? And I was like, yeah, I got this one. And I pitched him the whole idea about him. The horse fucking guy? And I go, yeah, I go, it's like, it'll be like Tiger King. It's just such a weird, weird, weird fucking story. I mean, because there's so much to it. He was a base jumper, you know, uh, one of the best base jumpers in the world. And I, in original, like he was an original base jumper. He wasn't one of the best, he, but he was like one of the guys that started this shit. Anyway, long story short, I pitched the whole thing to my buddy and uh, he just comes back with, he goes, uh, I don't want to live that life. For <laughs> He's like, you know, it takes a couple of years to make a documentary. He's like, I don't want to bring that into my world. And I was like, he goes, I could see that selling and being popular and like being a hit on like Netflix or something. He goes, but I don't want to make that. And I was like, he's like, do you? And I was like, no, no, I don't either. I don't I, like, yeah, like I don't want to go down that wormhole either. Like, yeah, it's some money, but I don't know. It's going to be, yeah, it's not going to, I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. You know yeah. I mean? And just, well, the other thing is I didn't want to get anywhere near him. Right. I, like I never wanted to talk to him ever. So, and now, now that he's dead. So what do you, so your special came out. Special comes out on the 30th. It's out right now on Pandora for some reason. I don't understand. Okay. But you can listen to it on Pandora. It's a Pandora exclusive. It's called Sweet Home Alabama. Um, and it's just because I, this is where I live. I don't know. Have you ever been up here? No. I live up in like, like 200 yards that way is like Will Smith. Wow. But like right next to me is a guy that operated on his own testicles. Um, <laughs> it's, you never know what you're going to get up here. There's like celebrities, rock stars, and then there's guys that make meth. And um, it's, it's not Malibu. I call it Malabama. Okay, so now is it mostly jokes? Is it mostly stories? What? It's jokes, it's jokes and stories. Like most of all my stuff comes from real life. And uh, there's one story I tell about my, my uh, you know, it, as a comic, we have to embellish a bit. Right, of course. And there's one story I tell about my, uh, my father-in-law taking a shit in a neighbor's lawn. And uh, I tell the story about it happening in my neighborhood when he actually did it in his own neighborhood. Well, I don't think that's the most important detail of the story. No, but I'm very worried about him hearing the special. And I'm also worried my neighbor right there. Yeah. So she's been asking me when she can hear my comedy. And I was like, oh yeah, I got the special coming out on the 30th. And then I realized I do this bit where I talk about next door, you know, the, the app. And I go, it's fine. I go, when you fight with people on Facebook, you know, you never see them. I go, but when you fight on Nextdoor, you're getting your mail the next door. And you're like, well, hello, Louise. Right. That's <laughs> I, go, I go, 
apparently somebody didn't like me keeping my lights on till 11 o'clock. That's well, guess, I go, well, guess what? Nobody in the neighborhood likes your above ground pool. That's hilarious. Right there. I don't know what to do now. She's been counting the days till the special comes out. Is it going to be on Amazon Prime or is it Amazon, YouTube? Where I really want it to succeed is YouTube. Um, I've had zero presence on YouTube in the past, and I'm trying to. That's where I, I want to be and I want to go. So What's I your page. You can send me the link. I'll post it. It'll be on edf.com. Like it'll link right to you know if you click it, it'll be like if you open edf.com, it's going to be my special and it'll link right to YouTube. Um, uh, it's E-D-D-I-E-I-F-F-T. And you can, are you going to do a lot of this stuff on that you did on the special? Or you do all of this stuff? Or how, how, how do you do that? So I already have a new hour, a brand new hour. But that is because I shot my special in 2019 of November. Oh, wow. Before, so, what's it, before the pandemic. And then I was performing in Australia all while the pandemic was happening. I had a month in Australia to really hone my hour. And it was all the new stuff. And so now I'm going to clubs and I'm doing it. And I'm like, holy shit, I got a new fucking hour. And I'm probably going to shoot a special. Good. The- a lot of people also are, are like, a lot of comics are doing the same version of the same pandemic jokes. Or yeah. Like, and I think a lot of people just want to hear stuff that's not about the pandemic. And yeah, also- mine's, not, mine's not. Mine's, I mean, I might have had like two pandemic jokes. I have a lot of vaccine jokes because I have a lot of experience with vaccines. You get your shots? Uh, yeah, I got both of them. Yeah. yeah. I got one Moderna and one Pfizer. No, you didn't. You're fucking crazy. <laughs> I've actually, I actually got my shot and then realized, I think I lost my paper saying I got my shot. I think, I, they, I think they keep a record. Oh, I almost got arrested getting my shot. Cause Why? Because it said wrestling coaches can get shots. But I, I work for a charter school, it's an after school program. Or it said coaches can. So I go down there and they're like, hey, what proof do you have you work at the school? I'm like, I don't, but I have pictures of me with little boys, you know? I'm like, look, they're wearing wrestling uniforms. Like, here's me telling the kids go pound each other. And the fucking lady goes, go over there. And, and then she's like, you need to find a check. So now I gotta fucking know my code to my app. And I gotta find like, this thing this is like 18 to $22. So then I, and then the checks all say, Revere Wrestling, where the cool kids hang after school, right? So I show it to this woman and she's like, yeah, we're the cool kids. And I'm like, are you saying my kids aren't cool? Like, so then she's like, exit. And then she gets fucking nine security guards. And I was like, give me, go arrest me. I'll die for this shot. I'm making a whole fucking speech. I'm like, call the news, go ahead. Like call fucking, I'm like, and then I'm like, I'll get the shot in jail. Like I'm just fucking, and then finally they, they, the lady gave, gave me a shot. It was a whole Think of the power thing. you wield as someone that gives the shots where they're like, you get a shot? No, you don't. Yes, you get to live. You don't. Insane. And as if she fucking created the vaccine. It's just some fucking lady that like. Uh, mine was mine was really shady, but I, mine I don't want to really talk about it how I got it, but it was like literally in the back of a parking lot. You know, like I pulled in and like the window went down. I don't know if someone they could have injected me with cyanide for all I know. Like now people are selling fake certificates saying you got the shot. No, I got the shot. I know what happened was I was in one of those situations where a place had too many yeah, because people were turning it down. And when they open up the bottle, they have extras and they put a list and if people want to come get it, they can. And I just happened to be one of those. I said, I'll do it. And they were like, okay, get, can you be here in a half hour? And I was like, I'll be there. Good. 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 So 
look, I, I've heard rumors that in the next month, everyone will be able to get one. Yeah. So let's just hope no one, no one dies in the next month. Well, Eddie, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, hey, thank you. You're, you're awesome. Um, Fun. Sorry and- I talked too much. No, dude, you're hilarious. I'm sure that everyone's going to love you. Uh, Thank you, and I will talk to you soon, brother. Thanks, dude. Good seeing you. Great seeing you.